Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast unafraid to raise. What the fuck is his name? Uh, <laughs> shaman? Shaman? The first and shaman. only podcast unafraid to raise Shaman from the depths of hell. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible Brian. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. And I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And joining us today is someone you may have heard of, Scott Benson. He's done some things. Hi, I'm Scott Benson. I've done some things. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm an illustrator and an animator and a video game developer. If you know me, you probably know me from a game called Night in the Woods that I was co-director and uh, writer on. Awesome. And illustrator. And I did a bunch of stuff on that game. So, yeah. uh, I've actually heard Brian describe uh, Night in the Woods as the Zapazoids of the Trump era. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, it's for babies. The um, I can totally see an Adventures in Odyssey, uh, Night in the Woods, like, through line of, like, small town. Oh, totally. Somewhat removed, uh, but fairly close-knit with some... A surprising number of, of things going down. In well, that, I still in don't know town. what's in the basement yeah. of Wit's End, and I just assume that it's a Lovecraftian <laughs> monster uh, that yeah. they're feeding some of the employees to. Well, there's all those like tunnels. I don't know how deep and dank into Adventures in Odyssey lore all of you are, but there's, oh, well, there's so tunnels. We, uh, and AJ, yeah, AJ's not as clued into the tunnels just yet. We don't oh, want right. to let him know all of it yet. So just for a little bit of background, yeah. too, this actually is a really nice pivot. Um, <laughs> it's in it, terms of... The world is that a pivot? <laughs> well, here's the <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm terrified of where this is going. No, no, no. We're talking a little bit about like our backgrounds with this show and how much we know or do not know about the show. So, you know, when I was talking to you about coming on, Mm -hmm. immediately, as I I mentioned, we do a thing about uh, Adventures in Odyssey. And you were like, oh, shit, I know Adventures in Odyssey. So that 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 in and of itself was exciting. Yeah. Yeah, Why don't you tell us first a little bit about like what your background is? Because also just to clear this for people who haven't listened to the show before. This is called Wit's Endless Summer. It is a sub-series of The Worst of All Possible Worlds where we review the children's radio drama Adventures in Odyssey, which is created by Focus on the Family, an evangelical Christian organization based out of Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80995. <laughs> God, I knew it, too. As soon as she said Colorado Springs, Colorado. They yeah. have their own zip code. They're like the Empire State Building. You can just write to it. Yeah, um, I, I was brought up in, like, conservative evangelical culture in like technically the 80s into the 90s but i was aware of the culture in like late 80s through the 90s so like the whole nine yards we were like listening to carmen hell yeah um, i wasn't allowed to listen to like any like secular music really aside from like one tape i had of like the supremes that i loved as a kid so i was like bopping around either listening to that or like whatever like sandy patty or something just this very like <laughs> heavy like late 80s christian pop stuff that was either like bad novelty songs or it was like someone doing a very tearful rendition of like how great thou art or right. something kind yeah. of uh, oh, kind of yeah. deal and then did you have uh ellen root was that part of your upbringing i'm just curious as long as no, we're talking about I, shitty christian children's novelty songs uh no i don't i don't think i have okay. what's the can you can you clue me in on that well his probably his best known song is probably one called um you can't make a chicken from soup it's about evolution oh shit yeah as soon as you said that i was like I know immediately what that's about because I recognize 
terrible uh, anti-evolution. That can't be real. It's real. Can't this be is, real this song. Is one of those things that was in the Calvinist yeah. side of things. Yeah, I think. It, like it, the donut man. I did not grow up with this. It's real. It's my friend, and I'm going to force you to listen to it later on, AJ. The, <laughs> the, the world of a Christian music novelty song is like so. Yeah, that was kind of like Carmen's whole deal. I'm assuming most right. of you, if you're familiar with Adventures oh. and Odyssey, your adventures, you're probably familiar so, with Carmen. So AJ of our group is actually not very familiar with Adventures and Odyssey. I was raised a dirty papist. So. Oh, shit. The, you yeah. know, the writer of one of the episodes today became a dirty papist later on. That's right. Oh, is that true? Paul McCusker. Yeah, Paul McCusker, yeah, he, he did. He, he over time went Anglican and then decided that's not enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a conversation with a famous Catholic convert who went to Calvin College. Hey, which, let's which go. Josh and I let's both attended. Go. I, uh, this is going to be, this is gonna, I don't know if this counts as hate speech, but I feel like the, um, <laughs> I, I, I have a hard time occasionally understanding people who became Catholics as adults. It's very right? Especially if it happened after the year, like, 2001. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I feel like, yeah. That's like that's kind of the thing. Like uh, my wife, like similar occasionally, like will like meet someone and they're like, oh yeah. And then I joined. I you know I was like not brought up in the church, but I joined at like twenty five. We both look at each other like, oh okay, that's 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 fine. I mean that's fine. I'm I'm yeah. happy for you and everything. However, most people we know who are <laughs> raised Catholic have either it's, t- like sort of forgotten it, or it's just kind of a thing that they sort of do traditionally, or they are like desperately trying to escape the hard line uh, yeah. like right. like baggage thing. Well, and, and, afterwards. And, the, and you know, the Catholic Church has no baggage whatsoever. Like, no, 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 no. Right, right. It's, right. it's a perfectly upstanding organization. Yeah, I think the, the, the scariest people are the people who converted to Catholicism after Benedict got elected pope. Mm. Like, they were just mm. waiting for that moment that well, Benedict got elected. And then, they were just yeah. actual yeah. Nazis as well. And yeah. then... And then left when Francis took over. Right. I, yeah. I do really enjoy that it has created a whole like online subculture of people who like would really rather just be following that Pope Michael guy who lives in Texas or whatever. <laughs> I mean, look, um, all, all of these people are complete freaks. And ultimately, we are not here to talk about them fundamentally. <laughs> we are here to talk about the fundamental totally different set of freaks. It's true, yeah. A different We're, set of freaks. Yeah. The Protestant freaks. The, the real, yeah. the regular freaks. But, um, uh, so, yeah, so I am. Um, but uh, as as such, I wasn't allowed to like listen to a lot of like right. uh, radio, but I was allowed to listen to Christian radio stations, which means I'm like, oh, sweet, I'm like eight years old. Got to listen to Insight for Living mm-hmm. now. I wonder what Chuck Colson has to say. And one of those shows was Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. And so we'd listen to Focus on the Family all the time. And I had not heard that like fucking asshole James Dobson voice for like 20 years until this week. And it came on and I was just like, oh, yeah, it's God. like it's, it's such a it's such a horrible voice. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, it's, it's, this, it's a stuffed animal, a Southern stuffed animal voice. He's like, Hey, <laughs> k- Hey, what's up? Hey, let's turn the, I, I can't do it. Like it's a very, no. it's a very sort of like, it's, I'm going to flip the chair around and talk to you yes. kind of kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's from Louisiana originally, but his accent is sort of a relaxed Texan yeah. Yeah. accent. Yeah. He's got that. It's like a slight twang with mostly California sensibility. I was going to say there's point. there's there's quite a bit of California there as well mm-hmm. because yeah. of the fact, of course, that he matriculated at USC and like you know pretty much started. Yeah, uh, worked the, for a Southern Californian eugenicist. At the yeah, beginning of his career. that sounds about right. He um, um, yeah. I've, uh, so yeah, and it, and it was just on afterwards, and right. so like right. I was like, oh, what's this? I'm a uh, kid, and I enjoy uh, dr- dramas, I guess, and so. <laughs> 
Uh, and then it is like if you're if you are like in that culture of the time, it's like it's a fairly charming show to get into when you're like eight because yeah, you're cute. like, oh, there's like oh, yeah. all these characters and all this stuff going on, and there's drama, and then occasionally the NSA's there for some reason. And, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, and as and as we've talked about before, the theme song slaps. So when you hear that, like yeah. leading into it, you're like, oh, yeah. this will be fun. It, it, what a it is like time. the most optimistic sounding song that has ever been written. It's <laughs> just like, yeah. wow, yeah. this is amazing. I'm walking out into a regular ass american small town unbelievable right. it's that it has that kind of stardew yeah. valley vibe of the like yeah this yeah, is yeah. a self-sustaining community of of ethical small business owners right <laughs> <laughs> listening to it again that was one of the things that leapt out to me most was just yeah. like the because i know the show kind of took great pains to be quote quote apolitical mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like i think someone asked Did wit, it? wit about it at one point <laughs> wait, overtly and i think wit was like well i don't like any candidate or something i forget what it was so there there are now um three wits wow. in total so there was hal smith uh-huh. who is the one that we're listening to in these episodes right who was wit until about 94 oh 93. right okay yeah and um, when he so and he, when he regenerated wits end blew up uh it yeah. shot just <laughs> beams of energy out of him and AJ, yeah. you don't know how correct you are <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like because what sense there has been bombs. blown up uh, a few times yeah. i think yeah <laughs> it is a weird show because it's half like uh yeah i adopted a puppy but it was too much of a responsibility and that's why we should always keep our promises because that's what right. the lord says versus a terrorist group has infiltrated odyssey yes. and, and is holding someone hostage and wit's end yeah. the fucking center of life and light in the universe has exploded and fallen into the earth and mr yep. whitaker is dead so yeah so hal smith passed away and then Paul Herlinger. Paul Herlinger was like a PBS narrator uh, who then got a job at uh, Adventures in Odyssey. He retired in 2008, died two years later, and then they got uh, the current wit, whose name is Andre Stoika, who is just terrible. Yeah. Uh, I haven't listened to a I, full I episode from this era yet. I to but... listen to the most recent episode I could find. And yeah, it is Whoa. jarring. <laughs> from the perspective of the writers, because they, they love telling this story, is that, you know, Hal Smith kicked it and they were freaking out for a bit because they were like, well, what are we going to do? You know, wit is dead. What is, what is, what is adventures in Odyssey without wit? And somebody heard Paul Herlinger's voice and tipped the focus on the family producers to be like, this guy could do the job. And then, uh, they called him and I think it was Paul McCusker who got on the phone with Paul Herlinger heard him just say hello and was like, oh my God, that's the voice of wit. And they do sound very similar. And Paul Herlinger actually gives, I think, and we haven't gotten there yet, and these are Hal Smith episodes, but his performance, I think, is overall a better performance. Yeah. The the funny thing about it is that the guy... um uh, Hal Smith, he was like the voice of, I guess, Winnie the Pooh and the an owl, and the guy, right. the the guy who replaced him, all was the guy who replaced him in those voices, or at least mm-hmm. one of those voices. Mm-hmm. And so, like, so yeah. is is yeah. owl in the Winnie the Pooh like canonically like a Republican at this point, or like <laughs> he's gonna be like, like, oh Pooh, let's talk to you about the dangers of peer pressure when it comes to sexual immorality. Absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of peer pressure yeah. and sexual immorality, that's a great way to get into this first episode that we have on our docket, which is First Love, which aired in April of 1990. We are now in the gay 90s. All right. We have a nice new orchestration of the oh, yeah. uh, opening theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they then Sounds revert a lot back to like an older version, but like the MIDI is better. And yep. Uh, the the arrangement is better. We're now on an episode that I was actually alive for. 
so that's that's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about that? I, was like, I wasn't. I think I was eight. Around about eight. I'm as fresh as a spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you really so, missed out on this shit. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Listening yeah. to it oh, live, it on you know, tape. It, it, yeah, you really had like to be Paris. there for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so George this, this, H. W. Bush was president. All was well. This yeah, episode starts out with Chris being letting us all know. Chris, the narrator, letting us know that Connie's about to come face to face with a difficult decision. <laughs> Dick or the Lord? <laughs> They're also doing intro sections, which I found very interesting. Like this, this. Oh is yeah, the first... yeah. AJ, you hadn't heard one of those before. They do little like previews for mm. the episode you're about to listen yeah, to. Yeah. What, what I like about that is that line. I don't have to listen to the rest of the episode. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like the YouTube trailer before the actual it's trailer. Very, like, it's, oh, it's I got it. It's a very dense and nuanced show, though. It's like it's the it's the Karamazov of uh, you know people who who owned McGee and Me tapes. <laughs> Uh, we, we, so we start off at a high school baseball game. At least I assume it's a high school baseball game against uh, Connellsville, which of course is Odyssey's crosstown rival. We got this fuck guy. Connellsville. Fuck him. Fuck him. Yeah. We've got this guy named Jeff Lewis. And Jeff Lewis is Od- Odyssey's all-star. It's, it's, it's the classic high stakes baseball situation. It's full count. Bottle of the ninth. They're down by two with one runner in scoring position. Naturally, of course, Jeff hits the home run. As a, it's a walk-off because it's the bottom of the ninth, of course. And so that gets them into the playoffs. Very exciting. And Connie's friend Cheryl is dating a man named Dan Williamson, who's also on the team. And uh, <laughs> these people are like 14. Aren't yeah, they're not a man. I don't know why I said man. <laughs> it's because they well, sound like men. They're all played by like 27-year-olds. No, so exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's the Riverdale effect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and just to clarify, is this baseball team the Coyotes that they mentioned before? No, no. This the Coyotes not, are okay. a little league No, the Coyotes team. are a little league. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, because if Heather Bollock was going to be in this episode with her fucking Halliburton dad, I would have walked out. Like, I just, Understood. I can't Understood. handle it. Understood. No, this is, this is strictly, this is a bit more advanced. Connie's friend Cheryl dating Dan Williamson. He's also on the team, so they all meet up by the locker room. Connie meets Jeff. They hit it off. And he's like, hey, you want to come to a party at my place? She has to ask Wit, because apparently Wit is Connie's guardian while her mom is out of town. <laughs> I think, I think this is the clip I have. Let me, let me grab it. Hey, my mom dropped a off for the game. We need to take Connie home, okay? Uh, yeah, that's okay, but... Uh, What's wrong? Well, there's nothing wrong. It's just that Jeff Lewis is having a victory celebration at his house tonight, <laughs> and I thought we could all go. Jeff's having a party? Yeah, what do you say? I guess it'd be all right. Connie, you, you want to call your mom? Well, she went out of town on business today. You know, those weekend management seminars she's involved with. Of course, then you can of course. come. Well, I have to check in with Wit. He's my guardian while she's away. <laughs> but I think he'll let me go. Of course he will. He wouldn't let you miss one of the famous Jeff Lewis victory celebrations, would he? The cadence of these Jeff. children, how they speak. Oh, Jeff, this wow. is Connie Kendall. Connie, meet Jeff Lewis, our star hitter. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Um, that was quite a home run. How do you do it? <laughs> with my eyes closed. I wouldn't have the nerve otherwise. Dobie Gillis so, over here. So, are you guys coming or what? Well... What do you do at a Jeff Lewis victory celebration? Oh, we play games like Pacheezy, uh, maybe Twister. And then we break out the lemonade and sing old camp songs. What? <laughs> oh, you'll love it. Come on. How is that a joke for the well, show? That's not, even, that's not funny. <laughs> it's really not. But I mean, that is what they do. That, yeah, right. It's, it's it's canonical that the only thing that like young people are able to do in Odyssey is Bible bowls. That's yeah. right. right. And also, victory victory celebrations uh, is a real phrase that humans use. Yeah. Uh, in right. Com- 
conversation. The, the way that these like these kids talk, it's just like so. I telephoned my friend Paul and I said to Paul, <laughs> "We're going to go to the theater this weekend." But Paul, you know, he's taken sick, just like his mother did last year, or something. It's just this weird kind of like this. Just sounds like thirty-somethings from like a nineteen-forties TV show discussing like their adult lives and concerns. Like one of them is just going to yeah. complain about being divorced or something. That, well, that, that, that's why yeah. my brain in my brain, I think I mentally identified um, Jeff as a man. He's not a man. He's a teenager. But right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like you expect them to answer the phone and say, oh, hoy, hoy. <laughs> this is but this is kind of the thing, though, like particularly this like kind of brand of conservative Christianity specializes in turning children into slightly neurotic middle-aged people. Right. Like at a really <laughs> young age mm-hmm. who are like... It's, it's very successful. Who, who I'm, are like really I am up on like social norms of like 50 years ago. This so, shit fucked yeah. me up for real, Scott. And so it's, 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 you know. it's, it's how I imagine like uh, comic strips that run daily in newspapers that have been going on forever. Mm. That's I like just Family like, Circus, yeah. No, no, more yeah. like the drama ones, like Mary Worth or yeah. something. Yeah. That's how yeah. I imagine yeah. them talking. Hyper squeaky clean. Right. Um, no, I mean, I was also like super like, I mean, same as far as just the background. I mean, I was actually in ministry until I was like 30 and then I like oh, wow. lost, I lost the faith and uh, kind of left that. So I have this like very lengthy, I mean, I was, a, I was a cool progressive Christian by that point. So it was mm-hmm. all right. I could have been on this podcast then. Okay. But, um, but no, so I ended up losing my, my faith and like uh, kind of uh, leaving it. And there was that kind of like, not deprogramming, but there was that thing of the like, oh, wow, this is been carrying around a lot of shit from shows like this right my whole life it's yeah Yeah. it's like a a a breakup and it's like not necessarily a bad one but it's one where like months later years later you're like oh yeah i don't that that thing that aspect of my life is gone yeah and then you just realize it and Mm -hmm. you're like oh Oh, fuck. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Connie goes to the party, but isn't having a great time. It's a bit too much of a party. Je- yeah, Jeff's parents drinking. are out of town. There's drinking yeah. going on. Jeff actually has the, his own personal little shack out behind the in the woods behind the house, apparently. And um, come with me to my shack. Th- in the that woods. was ill-defined what that building was. <laughs> what was that? I also I, d- <laughs> I didn't care for the way he kept saying Dan and Cheryl. Yeah. Uh, Dan. God. Cheryl. It's just. <laughs> He's, he's just like, yeah, my parents built this for me out here. And then like, that's, that's yeah, that's the exposition. That's, he goes there on it. the full moon. That's where he takes, that's where he takes all his friends. Right. <laughs> and uh, in that shack, Connie and Jeff really start hitting it off. Jeff basically says, Hey, you know, do you want to, do you want to go out on a date with me? And, and I got the clip. Um, Connie. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're not having a good time at the party. It's your house. Well, your parents' house. I guess they can afford to pay for the damage. It's not usually so crazy. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm not real good at this, but could I see you? I mean, like, could we go out together? Jeff, you're doing fine, buddy. You're fine. Um, I have to work tomorrow night until nine. How about Sunday? Well, I go to church in the morning. Then Sunday night. I'm back at church again. Twice on Sunday? <laughs> Twice? Twice? It's too much. Then how about Sunday afternoon? Too much church. Uh, we could have a picnic up at Trickle Lake or something. I like the idea that anyone in this town is is surprised that someone they meet is hell of Christian. 
Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is, this is what, a town. You're a Christian. You go to church? Weird. It's like, have you been to the one business in town that has a Bible room? Right. Well, she even says, like, do you know what's yeah. in? He's like, doesn't everybody? Yeah. Like, this is a town of 30,000 people in the middle of most likely Ohio, where the most influential person in the entire community is John Avery Whitaker. Who yeah. is, yeah, might as well. Uh, he's, uh, I was trying to explain to my wife uh, about this show, and I was like, then there's like Mr. Whitaker, and I don't know how to describe him other than like everyone's kindly not father who is also the spiritual leader and mm-hmm. small business owner, <laughs> prime small business owner. And also he was in the NSA and he's uh, yeah. also started a global publishing empire at some yeah. point. Which is also the NSA. Which is yeah. also fun for the NSA. She's like, what is the show? And I'm like, it's just, it's a show about learning lessons as children. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I would it, like to just for a second talk about the utter sadness that is Jeff Lewis for a minute. Okay. Uh, he's showing off a lot of his, uh, what he describes as trinkets and souvenirs, mm-hmm. uh, which is a weird thing for a 15 year old to have. But he also... Uh, okay, wow. Just hit me where it hurts. Well, right it's, it's weird to refer to them as trinkets and souvenirs. Yeah, that's... Like. Yeah, who is this 80-year-old teenager? Uh, These are my tchotchkes. Yeah. <laughs> Picked them up at a garage sale half off the other day. He also says at one point, like, he's like, oh, look at the trophies case. And he's like, yeah, those mean nothing to me. Yeah. And I'm like, this poor kid, his whole life is sports and already accomplishment in it means nothing. It's, like, it's kind he's of implied already... as well that the only reason he really does it is because of his dad, right? Like, that is his family is the one who's kind of pressuring him into being the sports guy, but he doesn't love it. Whereas anyone this, like, one of the things that creeps me out about this episode is that, like, like when I was, like, you know, dating or attempting to date at age, like, 14, 15, however nebulously mm-hmm. old these people are. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> 14 going on 37 in 1942. But the, um, <laughs> at that age, you're such, like, a weird, gawky, little, just complete failure at everything right. at that age. Uh, and these people uh. are so together and so, like, precise in their thoughts and motivation. It is, yep. it, that's so creepy to me actually i'm like you're kind of missing everything that's actually mortifying about dating or trying to do anything at this age i think part of that though is to do with the fact that this is not actually a show for teenagers this is a show for children and what they're trying to do is sort of frame up uh an understanding of what it might be like eventually to have to get to the point where you have to consider dating but it's like in in seven or eight years when you're at this point Mm -hmm. keep this in mind so i think it's portrayed with a certain simplicity for that reason but i agree with you i mean when i was when i was a teenager being a you know a good christian boy i was i was a mess you know Mm -hmm. and i all teenagers well it also feels like odyssey doesn't really like to delve into that mess. And when it does, I think it actually gets its most successful episodes, like the one where Wit yeah. beats his, you know, uh, grandson. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then and there's an actual like confrontation between his daughter and himself like that. When it actually gets into the grind, that's when it's most yeah. interesting. Right. But this, yeah. this is this is a show that is this particular episode is not willing yeah. to like delve into like the messiness Th- of teenage sexuality. Right. There's uh, even an episode about dating and marrying a non-Christian much later, like in 1995 or 1995. 96, like right before the second wit shows up. Yeah, there's that, at least one that, more because yeah, I remember that one covers involving... this a lot more thoroughly. Yeah, and, and there's also um, that's the is that the character of Mitch who shows up later on? Because that's no, that's not Mitch. Okay. Mitch is a Christian. Okay. Um, it's Jason uh, when he was gonna marry. Tasha. Right, right, right. Tasha and Cauldron of everything. And then, Tasha, and then Jack who, who, talks about the the nightmare of marrying his non Christian wife 
who had a stroke and maybe converted the night before she right. died, oh, okay. but probably it, it, didn't. Tasha, so, she, so he doesn't know if she's in hell until the moment that he yeah. dies. Tasha, a.k.a. Millhouse, uh, yeah. which uh, is great. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Uh, Millhouse no, that's Katrina. I'm sorry. Katrina, Eugene's. Whatever. I, I'm sorry. I'm the Adventures in Odyssey encyclopedia. <laughs> no, this is great. Uh, the Universal uh, Encyclopedia. The great Burden. Or whatever. Universal uh, Press. <laughs> Universal Press Encyclopedia. Universal Press. <laughs> um, um, so... So instead of having Jack, of course, in that horror story, we just get Wit really grilling oh, Connie going about for going it. on a date. He's, he's with so this. fucking intense right off the it's jump. It's creepy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And she also has just gotten back uh, from mopping the Bible room. And why <laughs> does the Bible room need <laughs> that much mopping? There is so much mess in the in the Bible room constantly. Uh, it's, a, it's a mop type mess. Someone's coming in to see me, that's all. But not the president. No. A friend? Sort of. I met him last night. Him? Ooh, I see. No, wait, don't get any ideas. He's just a friend. <laughs> well, did I say anything? No, but you adults are all the same. I told my mom about it on the phone this morning, and she automatically assumed I'm in love with the guy. I wouldn't assume any such thing. You wouldn't? Well, I'm not a big fan of the love at first sight idea. <laughs> Your love is supposed to Dangerous. be nurtured over time as you get to know the person. Exactly. All he asked me to do is go on a picnic tomorrow. Huh. What's his name? Maybe I know him. Jeff Lewis? Lewis. Oh, sounds familiar. Uh, does he go to church? Uh, well... Uh, he doesn't go to church? <laughs> Just immediately. She doesn't even let her well, answer. Is he does he go to church? Oh, he you doesn't, know? huh? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I see. It's just for a picnic. Hmm. But they do mm. end up going on the picnic. Um, yeah. Jeff... She makes a bologna and ketchup sandwich. Yeah, what the fuck? Which, yeah. Um, uh, Jeff that gives... ends the relationship right there. <laughs> Should I have. Think, but... Jeff uh, gives Connie a kiss on the cheek, and now she's like, yeah. now she's got butterflies. Yeah. So. That, in Odyssey, though, a, a bologna and ketchup sandwich is uh, equivalent to a filet mignon. So yeah. uh, right. my question um, for everybody here um, is, was there this much pushback to you dating a non-Christian yes. growing yes. up? Yes. If not I didn't more. date. Yeah. Wow, yes. wow, wow. Very, very, very. I ended up in one of the Icus dating goodbye churches. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember reading that book, I too. I did the, the, like, True Love Waits program right, in yeah. Sunday school and youth group. Did you sign a pledge? I did. I, I, I got the little necklace. It's That's such a weird thing. But, like, that, we didn't read I Kiss Dating Goodbye, but the main discourse around it was just do courtships. Right. Uh -huh. Just do group dates. <laughs> Uh -huh. um, yeah, I'll do group dates. Court, uh, courtship and... is such a that is such a a weird rabbit hole of courtship in <laughs> evangelical Christianity in like the late '90s into the yeah. 2000s because it's a very particular subcultural idea of relationships and marriage and it's one of those things that like I've occasionally because I I was talking recently with someone about Josh Harris who's right. gone through mm -hmm. his whole thing recently and, and by the way just for context for listeners who aren't aware about Josh Harris or yeah, courtship because yeah. I do want to clear that up front yeah, come on familiar with this yeah. um, <laughs> how, Josh Harris is an author who wrote a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye where he advocates for this idea of courtship which yeah. is rather than going out on dates you basically identify somebody who you like and the only real interactions you have with them before you get married are going to be largely chaperoned and definitely yeah. completely pure if i'm remembering correctly he wrote that book when he was 20 years old yeah. um he was just barely into college after being homeschooled his whole life 
and he was raised by like an evangelical author. But it ended his, up his father was also an evangelical. It, it ended up being very culturally successful. But yeah. then uh, a few years ago, he ended up being like, "Yeah, no, that book is bullshit, and you absolutely should not follow any of the advice in that yeah. book." And he, oh, wow. and he was a pastor. He left his church. He left the faith. He got divorced. Uh, he's since pivoted to being a sort of branding coach in the most like insufferable manner possible. Um, there's a documentary post him disavowing uh, the book, but pre him kind of like leaving. Yeah, faith. when it was filmed, he was still a Christian. And then r- right before the release happened, he was like, by the way, I'm not a Christian now. And it ruined the marketing. <laughs> yeah, of the movie. it is a insufferable movie. Like, oh, it's terrible. It is, it, is, <laughs> it, is, it is about how incredibly brave Josh Harris is for getting rich off of being wrong, <laughs> basically. Um, but I was, I was part of that church. Um, and so, which is the oh. Sovereign Grace Ministries. Um, and they're ca- they called something else. They were originally called PDI, which is People of Destiny International, which is some amazing church brand. That sounds like there. a cult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they were, Josh Harris was a minister in those that church. So it was like, this was absolutely just the thing. And yeah, th- that same kind of... Um, True Love Waits kind of upbringing. Uh, it just absolutely fucks people up, like really, really, yeah, really yeah. terribly bad. I, I remember, yeah. so, well, first of all, before I say this, I just wanted to point out that I'm definitely going to make a Bungie fan Discord server called uh, People of Destiny International. <laughs> but uh, the the thing that I remember about- Sora will join, you know. <laughs> People of Destiny Islands. Yeah, who yeah. is this for? We could. Get, it's for? it's 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 for me, AJ. <laughs> it's a nice Venn diagram ever getting smaller. Uh, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, Adventures in Odyssey, Bungie, just botch right at the center. Let's go. So, um, I remember reading that book, Scott. Uh, in fact, a copy of it was in my church library, and I read it when I was probably like 11 or so oh. um uh-huh. and yeah. it's oh, and it, that's such a terrible time to start drilling terrible in your age brain. for that yeah what i remember ultimately from like right after i hit puberty all the way up until like middle of the time that i was in college was just constantly wrestling with myself in this idea that like if I had any sort of like baser carnal desires or like I wanted to do something that that was not seeing my sisters in Christ mm. as the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not protecting their, you're you not know, guarding th- their hearts. That's exactly yeah. right. And this is not been, and I also did abstinence only sex education in school. And did you ever do the oh, thing wow. where, did you ever see the visualization where you've got a construction paper hearts and you put a little bit of glue on the hearts and you put them together and you tear them apart again. And it's like, Oh no, some of this heart got on this heart. I did it with tape. Where you put it on your your skin and yeah. everyone passes the strip of tape mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. and it gets less sticky. sticky. Yeah, there were right. so which is many what happens to your that. your dick and vagina yeah. if you have too much sex. It becomes less sticky. Anyway, this is not an episode, obviously, about sexual temptation or anything like that. They yeah. keep it very pure. They keep it very G-rated because you know they have to. It's a children's it's show. It's really about yeah. why believers should not have strong social relationships with non-believers. Right. right. But Which, those, like we're allowed to humor them and like have them in our presence, mm-hmm. but the goal should always be to evangelize to them. And right. ultimately, and if you're I, not doing that, and if you're not going to church on Tuesday nights, did, did anyone else go to church on Tuesday nights? No, Wednesdays. Uh, depending, yeah. yeah, sometimes Wednesdays. Oh, okay, and that doesn't involve youth group, which might have been also. Any night of the week, including Fridays. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it really boggles my mind because up until I think in universe three months ago ish, or maybe it's been a year, uh, Connie was not a Christian. Right. Yeah. 
and seems to have already yeah. been brainwashed to the point where she is just denying anyone who is a non-Christian. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's, it's Tommy's it's, like I I mortify the flesh now. <laughs> Well, I mean, her boss who converted her is her guardian. Yeah, her, yeah. Yeah, her, her boss, who is also her legal guardian, who is also the person who <laughs> controls the entire town's infrastructure and social order. Yeah, right. I mean, he has the one modem in Odyssey. Her, right. her, her, her boss down. took her into the back room, had her get on her knees in the Bible room and made her mop up afterwards. Like that is <laughs> the Christ. truth of wit. This is uh, and this was considered normal. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, no, it's like, it's just like, this is fine. All of this is just right. I, I, the fact that he is kind of her guardian while her parents are like, it's weird to have an unofficial guardian. Yeah. Like, it's like, I got the backup and it's my employer who's a random, he was also my spiritual mentor. Right. And also that for the entire town and also our warrior of light against the encroaching darkness. <laughs> who also completely lowballs her on pay. Yeah. Oh yeah, lowballed the hell out of her in the initial well, negotiation. It's, it's because her mom couldn't be around for this episode because as far as I know, she's not a Christian. Correct. Right? She isn't. Yeah. You can tell because she's in management courses as a woman. <laughs> Later on, if I remember Just correctly, like Wit's atheist whore daughter. Well, right. This was la- later on, not to spoil, but like Wit, uh, there's someone who proposes marriage to Wit, and his hmm. entire thing is well, she, like, we disagree on how much God should be involved in politics, and she's like, basically more moderate than I am, <sighs> essentially. She, she's Wit, a Hillary Clinton stand in, yeah, which is really funny. She, she's a she's a total girl boss, and Wit is like, wow, be gone, she devil. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's kind of wrap this up. It's a few weeks later now after the little smooch. Cheryl is grilling Connie, Cheryl being Connie's friend. Connie's not going to Bible study every Tuesday night anymore. Uh, yeah. She's even missing church on Sundays sometimes. Wow. And yeah. um, she's only going to church once on Sunday. Fucked. Now. Yeah. And I actually remember growing up, three times a week was my baseline. Two on Sunday, yep. one on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday night was... And that was service, Sunday school, you know, yeah, the whatever, whole youth group or RAs. Yep. I just think about the amount yeah. of work that poor pastor has to do. Like, how many homilies does that... Are, do you guys do... Generally, homilies? you have multiple no. pastors. <laughs> no. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it really... The, the amount of effort that a pastor puts in is very contingent upon denomination and individual yeah. church. Like oh, the interesting. just pops out to give a short thing or is there the whole Also, time. they're not called homilies, AJ. They're called sermons, just Thank so you, you know. Sorry. I was reading about, uh, or no, not reading, I was listening to the Mar- the podcast about the, the collapse of Mars Hill, the mm. Seattle Mars Hill. Yeah. And you know, I knew people who went to the Mars Hill Church in Albuquerque and Mark Driscoll would, would be on the screen. So they would have a regular service and then the sermon would be Driscoll projected oh. on the screen. And they didn't tape him doing one sermon or doing two sermons or something like that. He would do seven sermons wow. every Sunday. Wow. That's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Just, that is a, an extreme amount of well. Uh, was, was he was it was it kind of like a well no, this is the specific word that this that the our Albuquerque franchise location needs to hear or <laughs> right. like I mean no, it's the same you know, it's the same thing. It's it's I think five in the morning and then he does two in the evening. Where he just does the same sermon five times and then he does it twice. Actually, Scott, it's the word of the Lord. Thanks That's be true. to God. It's true. Praise That's be true. to God. Yeah. Um, and also unto you. Something. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, and also uh, with your spirit now. And with yeah. your spirit. Yeah, also right. someday. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember, though, feeling some degree of moral superiority, being like, yeah, I go to church three times a week. You don't? What the fuck? And that's kind of like what you even then- church, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. In- including also going to a Christian high school, mm-hmm. middle school, going to yeah. chapel. Yeah. But, but yeah. it is very similar, AJ. You're right. Like, it's very similar to people who are really annoying about the gym. There are people who are like that about <laughs> church. And yeah, I was one right. of them. 
I um, think that like the um, there there is a thing that um, with kind of evangelical or just very Christian culture that encourages like a, a degree of like political and sort of like world awareness like precociousness so like mm. you mm-hmm. are you are aware of like the eternal and political significance of everything you do at a pretty young age and mm-hmm. you're kind of encu- you're kind of encouraged to be I, I just remember going to like a church on like veterans day and i don't know if this has ever happened to you but like oh uh, if you went to christian school or if you went to like certain churches like there'd be occasionally like someone who popped up who was like no, your your cohort, age like eleven or twelve, who was clearly being groomed to be a, a preacher. Yeah, that was me, uh-huh. Scott. Right, sweet, right. So you know that. So you've been up on stage in a suit, yeah. talking about shit you have no idea Absolutely. about at age uh, twelve. Oh, I was doing that, except for I was being groomed to be the uh, the, the cool uh, artsy uh, mm. pastor guy. Everything is attached to this I- in- intense significance. Mm-hmm. And when you're mm-hmm. kind of brought up in that, in Chris, I mean, I also just went to Christian schools throughout my whole life, and. Uh, uh, involved in church and everything, there are things like the 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 weight of something like, oh, you you smooched a non-Christian at age fourteen. Do you know how important all of that is? It's in, good or bad. It's the most right. important thing because everything is incredibly important all the time. Well, I smooched this. non-Christians behind. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think Connie really feels the wrath of that in mm-hmm. this scene with Cheryl because Cheryl just like lays into her for not yeah. going to these meetings. Yeah. And what's what's so interesting to me is that this I've, occasionally Odyssey will always like put up like a straw man or like have an argument that like Connie is making against Cheryl in this case that sounds completely reasonable. She's just yeah. like, I don't have to go to church twice on Sundays. Like, it's fine. I'm with this guy now and that's sort of what my life is doing. Uh, but, you know, and then Connie at one point says, you know, it isn't any of your business, right. Cheryl. And it's, and not. it's like, yeah, it's really yeah. not any of her business. Establish some boundaries, Connie. Well, but if you're all brothers and sisters in Christ, right. it is your business. Right, right, right. You have to keep them in the family. And and the other thing. And you have to isolate them from anyone who might pull them away. You got to focus on the family. <laughs> you must focus on the family, specifically in the Calvinist tradition, to go back to your point, Scott, about how like everything needs to be freighted with with extreme significance. You know, yeah. everything that happens in your life, it, it, at least in, in Calvinist theology, is is God's plan, right? right. Everything yeah. is predestined. It's gonna it's gonna shake out that way. And mm-hmm. um that's why it's so important that you stay on it, it's this weird like logical illogic where it's like well if everything is predestined out for you then you don't really actually have agency and it doesn't matter what path you try to stay on because god's either going to keep you on the path or get you off of it get you off of it but at the same time (laughs) hey but he sucks you off sucks you off but at at, at the same time though there's this idea of well if you step off the path just a little bit that could be the beginning of the end and so like your family your Christian yeah. family has to call you back in. Um, and that's what, what kind of happens here because right after uh, Cheryl in. lays into Connie, Wit lays into, uh, to, into Connie. Wit um, sneaks up on her, which yeah. is yeah. Yeah, he does. Jesus. But yeah, he basically comes in and says that uh, he's not telling her to do anything when he is in fact yeah. telling her to break up with right. this guy. <laughs> and again, what, what this boils down to is not only saving her soul, keeping it rescued, although, I don't know, in the strain of Protestantism that Adventures in Odyssey tends to walk the line on she already is saved and that's just going to stay yeah, that right. way. Right. It's like Calvinist or like Arminianism or something. Yeah. Um, exactly. They're, <laughs> they're, they're non-Trinitarian. Uh, they're <laughs> No, it's focused. They're definitely Calvinists. Like, they, I, I totally forget where they've they fall gotta on be. That. They've yeah, got to be. Yeah, they're, uh, I, I can totally see that, though. That makes... Their yeah. their um their focus on 
individual choice though occasionally yeah. makes me think that they're not but mm. yeah you know occasionally I mean, when i'm sitting around thinking about whether focus on the family is calvinist or not <laughs> <laughs> sounds um, like a rollicking sunday to me uh, absolutely yeah the other thing is that like they're also trying to rescue connie from the lifetime of torment that comes from not knowing if your significant other is going to be saved right, right. if the person mm. you have built a relationship with not someone who you fell in love with someone that you have crafted love with as wit says right love is something that you build over time yeah. and that love might love just crap. end up going to hell with that other person <laughs> as crap. opposed to entering the kingdom of glory right which scott made me think of when you talked about visiting the studio at right. uh, colorado springs colorado 80995 mm -hmm. could, you, could you tell us a little bit about this right so i was on tour with my christian ska band in the summer of 2000 um as you as you as you what do. was the name of that band i'm not going to uh it's, you, <laughs> nobody's ever heard of it i'll say that um, right okay we are thanked on a five iron frenzy album that's all i can nice. say but that's the, amazing um, that's awesome. the, you know, it's uh, amusing. <laughs> I never get to ever talk about that, but twice on a podcast in the year that has somehow come up. And I don't now I'm like worrying if I'm just like name dropping that. If I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know who five. I know. Yeah, good friend. What yeah. you're telling us is that you were a member of the OC Supertones. I yes, guess that I was it. it. Yeah, I yeah. replaced. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember any of their names. But uh, yeah, we were in Colorado. And on in the summer of 2000 and the drummer and the trumpet player were married and they had like semi ironically brought a bunch of the adventures in Odyssey, like, you know, like the big, like, you know, puffy vacuum uh, seal cassette, yes. uh, collections. And it was that thing where, like, you know, we were all very good Christians at the time. But also, you know, we were we were in our early 20s. And we were like, ha ha ha, Adventures in Odyssey. There oh, nice, is. nice. Yeah, there one of these kinds of things. It looked like it's a Disney VHS from the 80s. But the... Yeah. Um, That's how they get you. Yes. That is how they get you. Um, and so everyone was doing stuff. And we, and they were like, like, hey, Scott, like, we're going through Colorado Springs. Do you totally want to go see, like, folks in the family headquarters? Like, at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, let's, let's totally go do this. And it, the funny thing is, I don't know. Now I think of it as, oh, we went semi-ironically but we we didn't we were all very strong christians at the sure. time so maybe it was like i don't know what our in hindsight i don't know what our our actual mode was because we were going there as kind of like haha this is a weird joke but at the same time like we were fucking listening to adventures and odyssey in the car as like yeah. early 20 something so i don't really know who we thought we were fooling but yeah we went and we went through the tour and we had asked about adventures and odyssey like where it was recorded, uh, uh, we asked the tour guide, and the tour guide's like, "Oh, that's like on the tour." I'm like, "Ah, okay." And I remember there being like a playground with like some yep. slides in there and stuff. And I was yep. like, "Like, it's like when you go to those places, it's like a, a children's science center, and you're like, wow, this is just a really nice giant playground.' I am jealous of these children. It was kind of like that." And, did you uh, uh, did you stop in at the uh, the the replica wits end and get yourself a Wadfam Chalksod? No, because I don't think they had that. This is in 2000. I don't I don't know that they had that at that point. Okay. Yeah, they, I think if, the, if the Wits had, End stuff uh, came a little bit later. Yeah, I, I feel like I, we would have, went, because we went there literally just to, just to see what Adventures in Odyssey content they had. And so we went through the tour, and at the end, we, there was like a little movie, a little like uh, video that you, you sat through in like a theater, and like the gigantic head of James Dobson. James Dobson. Uh, a la the Wizard of Oz pops up and is just like toddling you. And like, just they make flames a big point to be shooting like, out. Yeah. They make a big point to be like, and he has never drawn a salary from from the organization ever. It's purely from his books. He's never taken money from this. He just They just keep telling you that. So right. as we were walking out, um, 
someone, I don't know, one of the fucking focus on the family docents or whatever, uh, was there and was like, oh, are you the people that were asking about Ventures in Odyssey? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, oh, psst, psst, you know, come here. And so they, they ushered us kind of down a hallway and they're like, okay, yeah, here's the, here's the studio. Like, and we're like, wow. And he, he's like, he's like, obviously like, you know, not all of the voice, voice acting happens here, but this is where it's produced. Some of the voice acting happens here and like some of like the Foley work and right. all this other stuff. And so, but you know, everyone who's on the show at some point or another has been through here and we're like, wow, that's cool. And so we were asking a bunch of questions, you know, whatever questions can pop into your head when you're talking to a producer of adventures and odyssey randomly in like a how many episodes somewhere. did ray Liotta star in yeah how many <laughs> like what about the what about the lost episodes it only aired once for whatever reason uh but the, i'm sorry there are lost episodes of adventures yeah, there's and odyssey? one about abortion that we haven't listened to yet that i've actually never heard yeah there, there's uh, a few we do that have were, the were not there's at least one i know that was never aired again or was never aired to begin AJ, with one of but, my favorite things about this recording these is just watching your face every time a new piece of information about adventures and odyssey is <laughs> dropped on your head yeah it is it is wild like having conversations like this sort it's like you kind of came up in this culture because right. it is stuff that to me i'm like that was regrettable but normal yes <laughs> yes and no yes. it was actually not normal at all but and, grotesque. and to me it's seeing just like the first tentacle of an eldritch god and then as more and more of it is revealed you begin to like get the scope of like the actual like cosmic significance of this right, show yeah and it, it weighs down on me it's like uh, a video game where you start off and you're like okay well I, i've defeated the boss and then you're like Oh, no, that was just merely a henchman of the actual villain at the right. end of this. And then on disc three, you kill that guy <laughs> and then it reveals the third guy who is actually yeah, orbiting the, the planet in a, in a robot Cthulhu. Adventures in Odyssey is basically the Dark Souls of it's a Souls like yeah. radio it drama. 100% that. <laughs> Honestly, so listening to four episodes in a row feels like Sekiro and that I just keep getting murdered over <laughs> yeah. and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're in the to finish this up we're in this we're in the studio and so I guess we were it was second wit at that point because it was two thousand right and someone had uh, I think I forget who asked something about like oh yeah we had to you know replace Mister Whitaker like not not too long ago it was a few years ago and the guy's like yeah and like he you know he he passed away and we're like oh yeah so how was that was that hard to like how do you replace that guy he, somehow it came up that the guy just dropped that that guy was not a Christian. Uh, that the original wit, as far as he, he knows, was Hal Smith. Yeah, uh, Hal Smith was not a Christian, and and we were like, wow. oh my god, like that is mind blowing, just because of how that guy has played the, the, the just the character that guy plays, I mean, and especially if you grew up listening to it, it is like, oh, that's weird. And so, and the guy was like, yeah, he, he wasn't it. just wit; he was also Goliath and Davy and Goliath. He oh, he had been fuck. doing like wow uh, Christian entertainment oh, for like god. the last twenty. Sorry, years. that just connected some weird shit in my brain, but. The, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm the, so sorry. I'm Luther and Gumby, but the, um, uh, the United, brought to you by the United Lutheran Council. I don't think anything good has ever been brought to you by the United Lutheran Council. But no. anyway, but, but when the guy, Lutherans unite, it's always a problem. The, the guy seriously ended it with like, yeah, as, as far as we know, Mr. Whitaker is in hell. <laughs> and we were just standing there just like, <laughs> just mouths open and we're like, yeah, and then like everyone just kind of like looked at their shoes. That's for a awesome. As I we, mean, I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we know, I think know. Hal Smith is in well, heaven. Really, but Mr. Whitaker is funny. In hell. I thought exactly. that this. I thought this was maybe ten years later, and you were talking about Paul Herlinger because I'm almost certain Paul Herlinger was also not a Christian. I, I also 
think that Andre Stoika, the current wit, is also not a Christian. What? I don't think there's ever been a Christian John Avery Whitaker. I don't know if any Whoa. of these people are, are, are Christians. Like, is Chris uh, some, a Christian? Chris is definitely a Christian. Chris is a Christian. Um, Chris puts you know, a, a lot Chris of these, A lot of these That's actors right. are themselves um, executives that focus on the family. They're producers right. of the show. Yeah. Or they're the children I, I know that Connie, I looked same. up Connie, and Connie was like, I, I think, I, I'm trying to remember what Connie's political uh I need to were. know Connie's politics. Yeah. I, I, I need to know if I have to cancel Connie. Well, Connie's been in a zillion things. So, uh-huh. like, I, I don't Yeah, she was know. in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. She's in totally right, spies. Which is unbelievable. Connie then, you know, Wit, Wit pressures Connie. So Wit is in hell. Wit's, Wit's yeah. in hell now. Um, <laughs> no, Wit pressures Connie into breaking up with Jeff. And she goes back to Jeff's uh, shotgun shack and says, you know, and, and he's excited because previously yeah. there was this little uh, code detector ring toy or whatever, and it was yeah. so cool, and they had bonded over it a little bit, and he's like, hey, I want you to have this fun little ring. But no, she says, can't do it, you know? It can't do it. Can't he go doesn't know it. Jesus. Doesn't know Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, Decode and, that, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, directly after that, takes a one-sided phone call with her mom, uh, explains that, you know, she had to do it. It was the right thing to do. And mom, will you please come home? And, and then Chris, of course, wraps up with a nice little pitch to have kids talk to their parents about their dating experiences, about yep. their parents' dating experiences, so that they can understand what it's going to be like, you know? And she says, she says, and I quote, if you love Jesus, then you'll want to go out with someone who loves Jesus too. That's even more important than how they look or how nice they seem to be. <laughs> <laughs> that children is called a polycule and it's the way of the future it, is, it is certainly I is. just like how so, nice they seem to be it's like sure he's yeah. abusive but he knows the lord right <laughs> yeah yeah and I just want to be very clear here I don't like Jeff especially in this last scene he's just like ah that's not what you're supposed to say and he's I'm little, like oh he's a little petulant he's weird he's yeah, weird. yeah uh, but in he's this also scene sorting especially. some things out and pretty soon he will not be well right he's also gay like him. we we <laughs> And I just, I don't, I don't not like him because he's not a Christian. I don't like him. You don't him like him because, because he's gay. I understand. He, uh, because, no, because he's controlling <laughs> and an asshole in that scene. But I just wanted kind of to have the opportunity to figure that out and be like, oh, this isn't what I want because of those reasons and not because of her uh, newfound yeah. cult-like faith in yeah. Christianity. Yeah, so right. Connie will not date again until Mitch shows up in the series during the Novacom saga, which does not happen until the Twin Towers fall. Uh-huh. She does not date again Whoa. for another 11 I, years. From what I understand, because I looked this up, because I was like, how old are these people? Because they, they carry it forward, you know? People right. actually do yeah. age. And Connie, Connie ages slower than some characters. Right. I looked it up, and apparently the official thing from like the, the behind-the-scenes book is every specifically 2.8 years... Is mm. one year for Connie, so she's like twenty eight now. Oh, okay. Something. Wow. There. Yeah. It's so weird that they have like a that I, they've codified if you've been doing that. It for that long. You definitely have had that conversation in right. It's true. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So cool. And she's like, she's like, what in her sixties? Maybe her seventies? The the voice actor? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, Katie like, Lee. Yeah. I mean, she's she's voicing the fucking gummy bears at one point. Like she was she was 26 when Adventures in Odyssey started. And she actually yeah. sounds like a teenager in the time. earliest episodes. But as time yeah. goes by, of course, she still has a fundamentally youthful voice, but she doesn't really convincingly sound like a teenager or yeah. even a 20 something. She has a certain um, she has a certain vibe that is the only things I've ever heard like people I've ever heard sound like this are in something like, like adventures in Odyssey. Or if you were ever in, <laughs> if you were ever in like in your church or Christian school, like 
like kind of like a school musical. Yeah. And like, mm. uh, and there's the, the cast recording for that. And it's this kind of like, like I'm really earnest about everything mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And Hey, wait a second. Oh. Blah, blah, blah. Like she's got this, Vibe yeah, yeah. Is, I know what yeah. you're thinking, but I'm not in love with him. Like it's a very <laughs> the, um, like I just remember like the fucking Christian school that I went to because of like the eight I went to the um what I ended up graduating eighth grade from was I was literally a class of like eight people and the ch- and the school took place in a Baptist church basement and so all of our school musicals were off of cassettes and they were yeah. all from sometime in the late 70s early 80s um, and so they'd be like like cultural references yeah. to things that like like someone would say sock it to me and they're like that's a joke and i'm like okay what does this mean uh, kiss my grit yeah i remember i was uh, i was the lead in one of those plays where i played uh, i played gideon uh doing a, a comedic uh retelling of the story of gideon Nice. And, um, uh, you know, which is a pretty funny story. Honestly. Judges is the most comedic book of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. and I just remember like my, I had a retainer at the time. And so I was like, <laughs> kind of had that kind of thing going. <laughs> the guy who ended up being uh, one of my best friends, who actually now, if you ever watch Jimmy Fallon, he's the science guy who comes on randomly. I was like, I, I just oh. saw him on TV. Like <laughs> at one point, I'm like, the fuck, Kevin? What are you doing on TV? And uh, I hadn't talked to him in a while. But anyway, so. His brother, as I'm up there singing a song about like how I'm not afraid of the Midianites or whatever, uh, his brother, who's 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 a shark scientist now, leaned over to him and goes, "The kid's gay as hell," (laughs) (laughs) which is really uh, funny at the time. And now Uh, he says that about sharks, I'm sure. It's true. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's just says homophobic shit about sharks all the time. I uh, I have never seen a comedic show about Gideon, but I have seen a number of comedic shows starring Gideon Glick. That mm. one was also just for me. We're going to move okay. on to so, sus- Suspicious Minds. Well, actually, I'm, go- I'm Googling Gideon Glick real quick. Hold on. <laughs> it's related Before, to Jiminy. Personally, listening to this fucked me up a little bit again. Yeah. Because I, it, was, right? it was a little hard, right? Of, yeah. of all of these episodes, and I have kind of a connection to the last couple right. a little bit, too, but right. like... This was the one that like legit did torment me. Yeah, it's like there's a yeah. like I was fairly like I was I, at the time I definitely was like I'm such a dork loser and stuff. But looking back, I, I dated a lot in mm-hmm. high school and was you know fairly fairly sexually active. Don't want to brag. Wow, you had wow, great going, Scott. You <laughs> had sex. We're all really impressed in the '90s <laughs> as a cool teen. But like, I'm but intimidated. It is one one of those things where like I've I, I've, I've the funny thing is I've occasionally like had this conversation with other people who grew up in this where we talk about this sort of thing and I mentioned like oh yeah like when I was a teen I was fairly sexually active which was like difficult and like a couple and like one time someone literally thought I was like braggy about it I'm like no it was mortifying I was like I was just this is a normal teen thing to to do and the only reason I think about it in a kind of a momentous manner as opposed to this is just normal teen stuff is because at the time it was freighted with this enormous import and this enormous sadness yeah, it, yeah. it was like a tragedy mm. like god's yes. gonna punish kind me of thing. I'm, I'm sinning against the Lord. I, yeah, it, without even punishing it was more like oh no you've you have done something to this person and to yourself yes um, yes yeah. yeah it's a desecration yeah so i couldn't enjoy it as a kid which sucks because now i'm like 
like someone like occasionally on Twitter, someone would be like, if you could pop back in and like t- tell your 15 year old self something, I'd be like, uh, there is no God. Enjoy the sex. You're mm-hmm. fine. Like, <laughs> and, yeah. and I think even outside of the, the, the sex thing, too, like just in general, the idea of having like a fruitful, productive relationship with somebody who is not in the faith, you know, right. like, and this this makes it clear. It's any kind of relationship. Right. Right. It's not right. sexual yeah. romantic. It's, right. It's anything you always are going to have to hold I, the there's there's a, a girl i dated uh briefly when i was like 20 or 19 or something who was just amazing and super super cool but she was an atheist mm. and so like we were just head over heels as you are mm. kind of especially at that age just like dorky this is the tail end of the mixtape era oh uh, sure in 2001 or so and right. so like uh we we're doing that kind of stuff and i was like trying to be you know like hey i'm kind of trying to slip the Christian stuff in there a little bit. Mm. And she was very much like, no, I get it. But no, I'm not into that at all whatsoever. Mm. I was raised Jewish and stuff. And it's like, cool. <laughs> but, you know, in the Bible, Jews right. are, Christians are very similar. And she's like, no, no, just stop. Just stop that. Like, I like you, but you've got to shut up. It's, it's very it, it, that is really very similar to kind of how Connie yeah. is in this episode. Right. Where she's like, yeah. Well, he's not going to church now, but like maybe he'll want to come to church with me, you know? Right. I um, she's the only person I've ever dated that I when I bumped into her later on like Facebook, I literally sent her DM. I'm like, I am so sorry for what a fucking dork I was at that age. I am so I am mortified still about all this. And she's like, Oh no, it was fine. And I was like, yep. No, it wasn't. we now move on to suspicious minds when the minds are sus that's right folks somebody is imposter this is among us in real life i i I initially went into this thinking that it was actually uh the paramount plus sequel series to criminal minds that just Uh, fell through suspicious minds yeah yeah (laughs) they just keep downgrading it shady minds (laughs) the the fourth wit is going to be mandy patinkin and it's going to (laughs) be the renaissance (laughs) revenge's odyssey so i Included this one in the rotation, um, just because it's much lighter than the other ones. I thought it was yeah. cute. Um, it's a nice little palate cleanser. It's also our introduction to Bernard Walton, right? And that's part of why right. I included it as well. Do you want to, yeah. you... It is a comparatively very charming episode yes. compared yes. to these other ones. Yeah, Connie and Eugene need a hundred dollars uh, each. Because Connie is going to buy a car. Eugene is going to buy a computer. That's how much these things uh, cost in 1992. Well, they only need 100 more dollars. They don't need $100. Uh, yeah. They need 100 more dollars. They just need dollars. a few dollars yeah. more, and, like uh, Clint Eastwood. And, and Connie needs and, $100 for what she says is, and I quote, a brand new 1967 Ford, which is kind of a funny joke, especially because yeah. Eugene pokes fun at Eugene it. Eugene really digs in on that. Yeah, naturally, yeah. Um, so then some money ends up disappearing from the cash register. They start thinking someone has stolen it, and then they realize that exactly $100 has disappeared after two disappearances. And they're like, aha, it's the other one who has stolen it. Mm -hmm. Um, In which case, Eugene decides to set a trap. At first, his first trap is just watching the register and then handcuffing anyone who comes near it, (laughs) which then gets the handcuff around Bernard Walton, local... They call him a janitor, but he owns his own like maintenance and cleaning company. Ah, right. okay. This is this is the uh, small business owner. Would you mind if I locked you to the counter until Mr. Whitaker returns? He might want to ask you some questions before pressing charges. Are you out of your mind? Press charges for what? For petty theft, sir. Sixty dollars <laughs> to be precise. Oh, this is ridiculous. Are you accusing me of stealing money? Eugene, what are you doing? Oh, I'm glad you're here, Connie. Will you please? What is that all over your face? Most women do mud packs at night. Just some grease paint. 
You've been out on maneuvers, or are you here to take hostages? Well, Please, Miss Kendall. I was watching him. Eugenie wasn't doing anything. Listen to her. I could see him clearly from behind the artificial trees. He wasn't going for the cash register. The cash register? If I was going to rob a cash register, do you think I'd come here? This place is getting lonelier all the time. It would be helpful, sir, if you didn't add to the confusion. Look... Detective. <laughs> I'm Bernard Walton. You know me, but both of you know me. I was trying to get some paper towels to, to, to clean the windows. I mean, you can't really suspect I'm sorry, me. Mr. Walton. These are very difficult times. We must suspect everyone. <laughs> I see. I understand. But you're going to suspect what an old squeegee tastes like if you don't get these handcuffs off me in the next five seconds. <laughs> So Bernard uh, is a major recurring character. He's on the show until he passes away in some, somewhere around like 2014 or 2015. The, he, they've set him up. I don't think they did this on purpose, but it ends up becoming the main dynamic is between Bernard and Eugene. They're the Ooh. Oscar and Felix of Adventures in Odyssey. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Bernard is played by Dave Madden, who in his day was, was well known for being on Laugh-In the show that originated that phrase, sock it to me. Mm. Uh, he was also a recurring character on The Partridge Family and a regular on Alice. He was also a voice actor on The Curse of Monkey Island. Oh. Really? Where oh. he played Dingy Dog alongside another Adventures in Odyssey voice actor, Earl Boone, who played Regis Blackard in this show, oh, who was, in was Monkey he, was Island LeChuck? was LeChuck. No way! He's LeChuck. Oh my God. Regis Blackard um, and LeChuck and then, are the same voice actor? That's yeah. so cool. It's just blowing my mind, yeah. Scott, you played Curse of Monkey Island, right? Uh, yeah, I did. And I know who the fucking Regis Blackard is. So oh like, I'm my like, God. Yeah, I'm part of 10 people in the population who knows all <laughs> yeah, of this. This, this so, is our yeah. target audience. Scott, this Scott, this I got is the some... Venn diagram. Everyone that this is for is currently recording this episode. <laughs> yeah, this is good. This is good. Scott, I got some fan art I can send your way about uh, with Blackard, by the way. Uh, oh no! There's a game that gets a lot of fan art. That's not something that I should be sent. So I immediately, when someone says fan art of like something like this, I'm like, oh god. Hold on, hold on. I'm, I'll make it my background. There, there. I don't. I have not found any sexual fan art from Adventures in Odyssey. I have found some fan fiction that is right quite sexual. Oh, there is slash out there. There yeah. is slash. There's a lot of um, Blackard Maxwell oh. and I think Blackard Glossman. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. That little clip that we just heard really is kind of indicative of, of the tone of the episode overall. It's funny. It's light. It moves very quickly, um, which in my mind, this is kind of th this is not necessarily the best example of an episode like this. But I do think it is a good example of what one of Odyssey's major strengths is, which is yeah. when it really leans into character-based interactions and humor. Wit, mm, of course, yeah. comes in and makes it really annoying, um, but the dynamic yeah. between Connie, Eugene, and Bernard is actually pretty lived in, and it's reasonably mm -hmm. funny. There's some funny lines in this episode. They actually, yeah, it's, like, not a, yeah. it's not a didactic episode. Yeah, like, they, this show could be actually, and I was, la actually laughed, like, not yeah. laugh, but I, I did like a, uh, okay, occasionally uh, <laughs> listening to this, largely just because of, yeah, the, the interplay between them and the fact that occasionally like Eugene or someone will actually come out with something fairly like not ribald or whatever, but just like, oh, no, this is like this is a, a character who's not demonstrating pure Christianity. Yeah, it's it's, point, it's, it's witty, right. right? It's got a, it's it's got like yeah. an edge to it. It's got a little back and forth witty. to it. That, that comes up again yeah. also in the, in the next couple episodes at one part yeah. uh, where I'm Bernard like, also has a great like one liner with Connie. 
because she's she's doing something else. Instead of wanting to trap someone, when she thinks that Eugene is doing it, she's just going to cover for him. She's like, he just needs the computer, whatever. And yep. Bernard just tells her. Oh, Connie. Yeah? Well, for what it's worth, I, I think your heart's in the right place. Really? Yeah. yeah your, your brain is missing in action, but your heart's in the right place. <laughs> I don't know where these kids get their cockamamie ideas. Anymore. It's like a little relatively like m- more mean spirited than you would expect. That's also and a little bit funnier than you'd it's expect. It's a very like CBS sitcom kind of line. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It is very much like I, I was surprised at how funny I found Eugene in this. Um, oh, yeah. It's a wonderful jigsaw origin story for Eugene. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's set in bear yeah. traps. Uh, he, was electric- like, he electrocuted he, his parents to help them lose weight. He's a full blown yeah. Barney Has, has Eugene converted yeah. yet at no, this point no. in the show? No. Oh. Eugene. Gene does okay, not convert fuck. until after until between the wits when uh, Regis Blackard shows back. That's up. I kind of figured that's where we were headed, but yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, the one. Yeah. That's the one where we, Eugene goes to hell, and we'll, we'll get Eugene there. goes to hell in that one. Well, what? Eugene goes to hell, and then <laughs> I mean, Eugene does not convert and again until like a few years later because Wit's still around when he goes right. to hell. Can right. I ask just one question about hell? In Odyssey, yeah. uh, is it like Dante's hell? Like, is, no. does he go to a specific circle, no, or it's, it's just far more troubling? It's far scarier. It's, it's one it's, of the most horrifying images it, that they've managed. To it's a really, really, I think, good depiction of hell. Yeah, it's yeah. actually very, very disturbing, even as an adult. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It's, uh, it's it's one of the li- the less fun and interesting versions of hell, but you're still like. Ah, fuck, that does sound quite bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer not to go there, please. I, uh, I, I'm not into it. I also was uh, impressed how much, like, Eugene, yeah, just sounds like knockoff John Hodgman. Uh, <laughs> oh, time. yeah. It is, like, really eerie. Eugene's idea is he is going to rig up this electric device that's going to zap anybody who tries to open the register. Connie's just going to... He's essentially just making a live connection between the cash register's metal surface and a car battery. (laughs) Right, right, which which is going to give you quite a jolt. (laughs) Oh, here's here's Eugene talking about setting up the machine because he's done this this specific device before. <laughs> yeah. I used to do this to my parents when they were dieting. It kept them away from the refrigerator. You must have been a joy to have around as a child. Thank you, sir. Drag him. <laughs> and this is really the strength of Adventures in Odyssey bringing on these really seasoned actors right. like Dave Madden. And Will Ryan. They can take a line that's that's not the the funniest line in the world, but they can really make the delivery land. Right. Right. It, well, and, and there's also that last scene, he's just like laughing throughout the entire dialogue, it's which so is good. kind of also the, the strength of the production style. Yes. Because Adventures in Odyssey, on the whole, tries to get as many scenes done with all the actors in the room mm-hmm. together as possible. Um, so these big scenes that are Will Ryan and Dave Madden, they're in the room. They are actually playing off of each other, and you really do get right. that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why this plays at at the best possible level that it can, given the caliber of the writing. Yeah, and the the the, the, the dynamic of the actors is is really the strength. It's not the writing is is there's a couple of good jokes, but for the most part, it's like it's decent. It really yeah. is the performances that elevate this material. Of course, it's not all fun and games. Uh, this episode would be so much better if Wit wasn't in it, but unfortunately, <laughs> Wit has to show up to just be a total fucking like. Oh, he's so annoying in this episode. He's a buzzkill. He's a total buzzkill. He shows up and is like, rather than just like watching the entertainment unfold, uh, he like tries to stop it all from happening because he's like you're being too suspicious of each other that's not yeah. good and it's it's the chad bernard walton versus the virgin john that's, that's exactly right. yeah exactly yeah because there's nothing that 
which said really that Bernard didn't get across better. Right. I feel like, yeah. which is just you two are being fucking suspicious dumbasses. What is your problem? But also basically. playing yeah. it out like I would say that playing it, watching it play out, letting it play out is the better approach. They will mm. learn their lesson naturally. Wit didn't have to intercede here. It would have worked perfectly fine if they yeah. just let it happen. Yeah, I actually thought that Wit was purposefully stealing money uh, after the first bit <laughs> to like teach them a lesson. Yeah, and then that's the kind of shit. I knew he would that's where your too. brain was gonna go, yeah. AJ. No, I that, knew that. That's exactly that's exactly what he yeah. would like normally do. Yeah. But the fact that it's just like the twist is that it's catching underneath the cash register and it's just taking out uh, like twenty bucks or like sixty bucks a night. Uh, but it's like sixty-seven and twenty-three dollars in two separate nights. But then yeah. also, but just also, let's just talk about. I, I do want to talk about that practically very briefly that yeah, doesn't make any sense bringing in a hundred bucks a day how is it only bringing right, in that the, little the money business is just dog shit but again it's getting all of its funding from the pentagon black right, budget right 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 so right. that's why it doesn't really matter and yeah. but but so that's that's like the big picture confusion right that doesn't make any sense obviously this is going to be a cash business these are kids they're not going to be coming in with credit cards but right. also the register itself you know what you do with a register? You ever have you ever worked retail before? Do you yeah. know how you close a register? You this would never out. happen. You take the drawer <laughs> right. out. Right. You take the drawer out and take it back to the cash shop. That's right, basically. Scott. <laughs> yes. I was a grocery store employee it for make like sense. five years, so yeah. I mean, you know, Wit has one of those dodgy like 1890s cash registers, like Sam Drucker had in in, in Green Acres, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Like, I'm sure that still has the same mechanism where you can take the drawer out. Yeah. Right. It's um. I also like when it was like, oh, here, let me take this out. It's like catching and like that can have again retail experience here, mm -hmm. where I was like. That can happen, I guess, but it would be the first thing you think of. Right. If that and also yeah, if right. you were if you were especially if you were if you were taking the drawer out, it's impossible for it to get stuck, basically. But if even if you're not taking the drawer right. out, that would be your first thought of like, oh yeah, let me just check behind here. Also because oftentimes you put things under the the drawer. Like it's like, oh I got uh -huh. like a like a special like there's oh there's a coupon here or a special something that I have to keep. Okay, yeah, just put that under your under the drawer and we'll right. grab that later. Uh, yeah, these people have not fucking worked retail. I'm just saying. Yep. They don't know, <laughs> sh they don't know shit about a cash register. Uh, or, or about teenage relationships is what we Or about learned. teenage relationships. They or, know all about fucking suspicion and, like, car batteries. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, torture. Um, they so, know how to hotwire a cash register. I guess yeah. the, the only other thing that I want to ask about, and this is a question for AJ. Um, oh. Okay. Because when we had talked, when we had seen Eugene earlier and we'd heard a little bit about his backstory, um, yes. you know, we heard some potentially disturbing pieces of, of, of his upbringing, you know, the, 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 um, up his home, which always smelled like uh, cleaning solution and so uh -huh. forth. Yeah. Um, what does this do for you in terms of sort of your mental understanding of the character of Eugene Meltzner and, you know, who this kid was and, and, and what this kid is? I think... I think it's very important that Eugene be exposed to people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I, 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 I listened to this episode and I'm like, if Eugene were put into like a different group of individuals or was like left to his own devices, like there would be murders. Right. Like he would, yeah. people would be dead. Uh, the fact that he was going to set up a bear <laughs> trap uh, in the middle of a children's ice cream parlor. Right. Uh, I think <laughs> is enough for me to be like, you know, I, um, Maybe he shouldn't be employed at a children's ice cream parlor. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like uh, he he is at least being kept in check while he's here. I, I, hmm. Him going to hell, I think, 
is a very valuable piece of information about <laughs> me knowing Eugene as a character. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I think I think that he to see some sort of consequence for his actions might be beneficial. Sure. But I don't know. I think he's I think but he's you very have funny. to understand also the cosmology of this world is that the consequences for his actions are simply the consequence of not believing in Jesus right. Christ. Right, it's, it's not a specific It's the dying in sin nature. Yeah. Right, I see. It's yeah. the dying in sin. It's the yeah. Hamlet argument. Sure. It's like Hamlet, exactly. All yeah. the sins were on said. Just to kind of close it up, I just want to say one last quick thing, which oh, yeah. is, you know, this episode then ends, and I just wanted to talk for a second about Chris's closing thing here, where she's like, you know, Wit is so wise. <laughs> <laughs> And it's because of his wisdom that he was willing to see, willing to tell them that they need to think the best of each other. Because that's what you need to do sometimes. Bye. Sometimes, um, sometimes yeah. I think that Chris is uh, Helka Pataki and just has like a bust of Wit's head just sure. made up of chewing gum sure. behind her. And as she says these things, like she's staring into the eyes of like a composite shot of like Wit, like leaving like wit's end and giving her a little wink like Absolutely. it really yeah it feels yeah. like she's full-blown cult member it's, it's that one or it's at the to to actually lead, leading us into the next thing i guess after the break yeah. is uh it's uh, that's how she refers to fucking james dobson at the beginning of that thing yes. she is just yes. beaming with pride right. at james dr james dobson <laughs> that's a, that sounds just that's a very good chris impression yeah, that's like exactly her wit Wit and James Dobson are so incredibly wise, wise, which is why when they tell you to take ivermectin to treat your COVID, <laughs> you listen, goddammit. Well, when we Chris come back- like, doctors lie sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of lies, here's some commercials for you. All right. Tired of the same old wholesome entertainment? Are your days full of baseball games and Bible bowls? Are interlopers forcing you into strange immersive simulations of biblical events and notable moments in American history, causing you to question your own grasp on the very boundaries of reality? If so, it's high time to make your own rules, control your destiny, and know the real power. Welcome to the world of castles and cauldrons. Hack, slash, and cast spells as you make your way into a world of imagination and discovery. Raise a cursed entity from the dead while you astral project yourself into a bird. Mutilate your sister's vintage doll and do sex things to it. It's all real, it's all here, and it's all more extraordinary than you could ever imagine. Start your quest today with the Castles and Cauldrons base pack, which comes with everything you need to acquire the power. Or, for an extra $9.99, upgrade to the Deluxe Edition to access real power even sooner. Castles and Cauldrons, an immersive role-playing experience that will consume your life. Castles and Cauldrons base pack contains two plastic swords and absolutely nothing else. Deluxe Edition also includes a single 20-sided die. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. In the event that Shalman comes back from the dead for more than eight hours at a time, contact your local castle keeper immediately. Because I also just, you know, looked up loads of shit beforehand. Right, I, just, right. I just fell down a rabbit hole of, like, looking... It's wild, isn't at, it? Uh, ...at the Adventures that, in Odyssey wiki. That uh, wiki is 
disturbingly well made. Yeah, that is a. I, I was like, who's doing this? Is this James Dobson or yeah, there's no? Yeah. There, there's a whole network of fans. Their their message boards aren't around anymore. There seems to be some kind of dust up that happened a couple years. Oh, was back. there drama oh. in the community? Um, oh, I can't quite find it though. But there's like stuff around the wiki that is documented a little bit in the AIO wiki podcast. I want to find. To. <laughs> I want to find all of the remnants of the online adventures and Odyssey community and post our shit on there just to piss them off. I think it would yeah. be funny. Um, the, I, I, well, because I assume many of them are still fairly devout, right? Oh, and very treat, much so. Yeah, with I mean, degree of reverence. If you go, well, one of the other adventures and Odyssey podcasts, which is the guy that used to do the AIO Wiki podcast, but that has dissolved for some nebulous reason. What, God, what a thankless uh, job. The AIO really. Wiki podcast. Yeah. Well, he's like a 19-year-old kid who goes to Liberty University. Oh, wow. Oh. No, that's, he's not going to be a Christian at some point in the fairly yeah. near future. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just give it three or four more years. I mean, if he, out, if he but. is, he's definitely not going to be that kind of Christian. Either Liberty University guy is not is going to be on a podcast in the future <laughs> laughing about how he did this, or he is going to become a terrifying nightmare person. Right. Well, those are, those still, are the only ways out. When basically. we're still doing this in 10 years, he'll come exactly. on this podcast. Yeah, speaking of terrible person, uh, we get to my favorite part of this two-parter, castles and cauldrons. Oh, thunder, crows. Sorry, um, I'm feeling very oppressed right now. Just the, <laughs> the spirit of darkness. <laughs> I just dropped a glass. Yeah. <laughs> Some fucking like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like I just felt it really was. Oh, God, we are going to get there. But good Lord, yeah. this episode. So, so my favorite part of this two-parter was always James Dobson showing up. Yeah, because Odyssey holds him at arm's length where they can. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because, again, Odyssey is about creating a good show, and that's supposed to draw people in. Right. right? It's like right. Power Team. Power Team's whole thing is not, God lets me blow up this hot water bottle or rip this phone book in half. It's like, you came to see this show, mm -hmm. and then you're going to get the gospel. Right. Uh, my dad lived on the same floor at ORU as John Jacobs, the founder of Power Team, by the way. God, that's a fucking curse sentence. Stop bragging, <laughs> Brian. Like, oh, yeah, wait, 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 I just can't believe the fucking name dropping here. Like, it's a yeah. big old Power Team or Roberts University. Yeah. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Yeah, so maybe you've heard of something. Let, let me tell you about you. the times I met Rich DeVos. Uh, <laughs> you, well, actually, I, already, I already did this, I realized, with the Josh Harris uh, churches. Yeah. I was like, I went to the church uh, family of churches that uh, he was a pastor in. You think you you think that having met Rich DeVos is something, Brian? When I was back at my at my uh, grandma and grandpa's place not too long ago, I came across a copy of Rich DeVos's book dedicated to my grandpa and signed by Rich himself. Wow. He handed me a copy. He handed everyone in my class a copy for our eighth grade graduation. That book, Hope from My Heart. Yeah, he gave it to everybody. But was your copy specifically dedicated, like in a personal no, way, it was to just a you generic specifically? Copy. Yeah. This no. is such like a That's... fucking cursed ecosystem <laughs> i'm in it dude it's bad um, stuff bad just, news it's like oh yeah rich devos and i'm like i totally fucking forgot who that is and i looked it up and i was like oh of course yeah, yeah. of course yeah not good it's exactly uh, who i was picturing he gave he, in high school he gave we, there was a there was a, a special chapel that was just him talking to us about his book no, and then he gave no, us copies of no. his book at the end of that chapel this Fantastic. is the same chapel oh, that my was God. located this guy sucks directly so fucking much. no 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 i'm not done yet this is the same chapel oh. like that our our uh you know amphitheater not amphitheater our like our theater right our our our, our, oh, our yeah. theater was located in this there was a big lobby outside of it that had a, a car in the lobby there and this was an old car that that um, Rich DeVos and Jay Van Andel actually 
uh, used when they were getting Amway up and running back in the fucking, you know, whenever, back of in the course. day. Yeah. Anyway. So, so, so let's, let's, let's talk to our good friend, Dr. James Dobson, who has a lot of very wise words oh, for yeah, us going I hear into this episode. Chris here again. Because of the subject matter of today's program, we thought it would still be helpful so to hear a few words That's from the founder Scott, and president focus on the family, Dr. James Dobson. Doctor? Let's go! Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Kids, I want to take a moment to talk to you and your parents about today's episode of Adventures in Odyssey. I'm sure that many of you have heard about the so-called fantasy role-playing games so that are available in the stores so these days. You may have even seen one of them at a friend's house. Just say Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe you've heard your brothers or sisters talk about them. He sounds kind of like, sounds kinda like John Goodman in Righteous Gemstones. But they generally have this one thing in common. Just picture like a giant, They are like, fantasy games that require the players to become characters <laughs> who use swords and bows and like arrows and pickle. other weapons yeah. to battle their enemies. <laughs> now, on the one hand, these games seem harmless enough. There's yeah. certainly mm-hmm. nothing wrong with using your imagination. Of course not. But that's all these games involved. Too. Maybe I wouldn't be so concerned. Oh, but the fact not just is, that. in order to play these games so properly, concerned. you usually have to use magic and mysticism. Things what? that are clearly not Christian. On the one hand, on the, one hand worse, the problems are bad. On the other hand, the solutions. Now say that their imagination, I sleep. Sorcery and magic, real shit. And even Satan worship. Now, I spent some time on our Focus on the Family broadcast talking to your parents out there about fantasy role-playing games. Yeah, he's just been ranting. I think younger listeners also need to be warned about how dangerous these games can be. Mm. That's why we've created this special two-part Adventures in Odyssey that you're about Mm -hmm. to hear. It's a very special episode. not that we want to scare anybody. We just believe that drama is a good way to we let you know. We don't want to scare you. We just want to scare See, the one shit of these out days, of you. Somebody, <laughs> maybe it'll be one of your best friends, My best friend. might ask you to play one of these games. Fuck no. And when that happens, I hope you'll think back to this special adventure and know the right thing to say. Thank you, Doctor. No, I won't so play parents, Adventures in Odyssey. I, I won't play Dungeons and Dragons. The radio drama that Focus on the Family produces to told me not to. The end of the broadcast. Well, are you ready? Oh, I sure I am. am. Born ready, James. Yeah. He's like, hey, kids, <laughs> so you ever heard of the West Memphis Three? <laughs> so, um, I'm not going to get into the West Memphis Three in particular, but I do want to give a little rundown on the history of the panic around Please do. Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Please do. Um, because this also connects with our first episode, which was about the moral panic around Night Trap. Mm, yeah. So in the 1960s, there were a bunch of dorks in the Midwest who were getting around playing war games. Uh, people like Gary Gygax, Dave Arneson, Dave Wesley, Jeff Perrin, Tim Kask. And they were part of this like new young... It wasn't just a bunch of old guys playing their, their classic war games. It was like a bunch of guys who were like, how do we make this better? How do we make this more interesting to us young dorks they were cool uh, they were so cool dorks cool dorks Wait, no. cool dorks so they you know they came up with systems that were more individualized right you'd control a single character in a band of people rather than just simply a unit that you push across a map they were creating more elaborate mythologies that were like mostly lord of the rings and dungeons and dragons the the final version came out in 1974 and of course all of this was being developed by people who were meeting up and playing games at gen con which they founded in 1968 This led to a lot of other tabletop games like Call of Cthulhu, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, which was actually after this episode that came out in 91, uh, GURPS, Shadowrun, Cyberpunk 2020, 
licensed games for Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, etc. The Adventures in Odyssey tabletop. Right. <laughs> the, 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 the Adventures in Odyssey immersive sim set in Wits End that I am going to develop that has the computer that runs yeah. Applesauce as Shodan. <laughs> so so then let's 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 move ahead to 1979. There's a young man named James Dallas Egbert III, uh, heretofore we'll just call him Dallas Egbert. And Dallas was a student at MSU. He's very young. He got into school at either 15 or 16. MSU being Michigan State University? Michigan State University. So he was young. He was like in the computer club and things like that. He was a, he was a nerd and was clearly having some troubles. He was, he was getting into drugs. He was drinking a lot. Um, and in August of 1979, in his room, he writes a suicide note, and he disappears. He goes down into the steam tunnels at the, the school and throws a bunch of quaaludes in his mouth and does not die. Oh. He ends up leaving the steam tunnels after his failed suicide attempt, and he goes to a friend's house. He dis- But, like, only that friend that he's with really even knows who where he is. His parents don't know. His The, the roommate who discovered the note is really worried, calls the parents. The, the parents end up calling a private investigator. William Deere. Uh, th- there's already some press that's going around too, like the 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 university newspaper is writing about some guy who disappeared, and Deer decides to bring his own press with him because he figures out that this kid has gone down to the steam tunnels through talking to people, and and he says that he determines due to some tacks that were arranged a certain way on a cork board that it was a map of the steam tunnels. I don't know if that's really uh, anything at all, mm-hmm. but well, and I mean I I remember from my experience going to a school that had. St- steam tunnels everyone loved to try to get into those fucking things at calvin you um, mean yeah, yeah calvin everyone crawled around those yeah things. i when i was oh, this is neither here nor there but um yeah. in the college uh i worked for the the college it department moving computers around and mm-hmm. sometimes we would use the tunnels as shortcuts um mm-hmm. but that was if we could get access to them which was not always Right, right. Are these like tunnels friend, you can stand I, up in, or are they like more like army crawl kind of tunnels? No, they're like you can you can you can't yeah. like stand up, stand up. It depends. Generally speaking, you can yeah, a little mostly over. you're a little hunched over. Yeah. Okay. This is my, not my a high common, school. Also, this is not uncommon this. in Michigan. Yeah. Um. The the school I went to was an old Indian boarding school, and they sort of spread the campus out and had central boiling, so there were tunnels that led to every building on right. the campus. Uh, not at all, fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> This is the most normal thing. Ever. Right. This is extremely normal. Everything that's about to happen is is incredibly normal. This is the most normal shit. I don't even know why any of this is, is worthy of remark. Yeah, why would why um, would it be? So okay. the the day after his failed suicide attempt, maybe goes to Gen Con, actually. Oh. Um, there are a couple people who reported possibly seeing him there. He did have friends that he played tabletop games with, but he's mostly just gone. No one knows where he's living except for the friend that he's living with. And um all of this Stuff starts sort of bubbling up in the media. I think Deer starts making some inadvisable comments to the the media figures that he took down in the tunnels with him to find mm. Dallas Egbert. Yikes. Of course, not finding anyone. That's how you know it's a good private investigator guy. Right. Is, yeah. Uh, he just takes right. the media with him and be like, hey, you want to see a dead body? <laughs> um, He's it, brought his own curtain to hang up and like reveal. In yeah. some way, I can understand the strategy of getting the media involved because that does become important for Dallas himself to, to actually reach out later. But the story starts going that this kid was just obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons, this tabletop RPG that some that mysterious teens love to play, and that he he made a map of the steam tunnel system, and they were 
you know, using that, treating that as though it was the dungeon or whatever, as opposed to like college kids love to go down to the steam tunnels and this kid was just already suicidal. Right. And sure. so he, he ends up leaving Michigan. He gets on a bus. He goes down to Louisiana for a while. And then after a little bit, he, he about a month passes. He calls up Deer and tells him where he is. Deer comes down. They talk. He ends up getting brought back to, uh, it sounds like his uncle. And that's kind of the story. He doesn't die, and he certainly doesn't die in the tunnels, but that starts to be what gets circulated around. Mm. And throughout the 80s, there there starts being this like urban legend about a kid at your college who went down in the tunnels and killed himself because he was playing Dungeons and Dragons. This becomes like a widespread thing. Like I'm sure if you talk to someone who went to Calvin in the early 80s, sure. they probably had some story. I like should that. ask my dad about it. <laughs> I bet I bet he like heard that when ironically um, it was actually happening across the state and he didn't kill right, himself. A totally different school and it's not really what happened. Um, Dallas does end up killing himself almost a year to the day after his his attempt in the tunnels. But he does so at home. He does so successfully with a gun. Ugh. And th this also starts to become a recurring theme. Then everything just gets even more muddled and it's like he did kill himself, he did go into the tunnels, so then it just mashes into one single story. The press has been kind of going nuts with this. Every little newspaper around the country is right, picking up course, this little yeah. story about someone who has been driven mad by a, a game of pretend <laughs> uh, that yeah. that has ended his life, you know. And, and, and sometimes the story doesn't go with this, someone killed himself in the tunnel, he just got into the tunnels because he was all mixed up right. and then he just died down there. He thought he was in a um, dungeon, yeah. Well, and then also yeah. as the story gets weirder and weirder, then also uh, versions of this story have it being that there was some sort of like a satanic ritual going on in the tunnels. Right, right. So in 1981, we get two books that come out. Uh, John Coyne wrote Hobgoblin, which is about a kid who's playing a tabletop role-playing game and he starts mixing up fantasy with reality. But the really influential one is Rona Jaffe's Mazes and Monsters, uh, which she said she wrote in a matter of days huh. because she didn't want someone else to scoop the idea. And this is drawing directly from Dallas Egbert's story as she only partially knows sure. it. So it's about a kid who gets completely consumed by a game. He's in college. He disappears into the tunnels. They play the game in the tunnels, which just seems um, inconvenient. Well, and situations and, like this are so interesting too, right? Because th this is this right. is something that often happens, where something right. occurs, and then a fictitious narrative <laughs> is created off of the back of this, and eventually, right. in the popular imagination, the fictitious narrative replaces what really happened. Like uh, right. one, one one more recent example of this that I always think about is, um, and this is a, a slightly different example, but when Sarah Palin, everybody thinks that Sarah. Sarah Palin said, I can see Russia from my house. She never right, said that. Right. She never said yeah, anything close to that. She said that, you know, she's in Alaska. You can in actually Alaska, see Russia from land here in Alaska. Which is, I think, is, I is think true. Point. If it's a clear day and you're the <laughs> sort of very true, yeah, end it doesn't of the really Strait. matter in terms of like international relations. It's dumb, but it's, it's a true thing. But on yeah. SNL, Tina Fey, as Sarah Palin said, mm -hmm. I can see Russia from my house. And so now everybody thinks that Sarah Palin said that. This is this is no different. Yeah. But the, right. the right. consequences of this and everything else, of course, lead to this big old uh, yeah. satanic panic. Yeah. So Sarah Palin, much like Dallas Egbert, is really a victim here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that is yeah. what we're saying. Yes, That's yeah. my, that was it, my it, point. Mazes, yeah. is, Mazes and Monsters is a big hit. And it gets turned into like a TV movie of the week, right. which was a big which is thing. The, how at that I'm time. familiar with it. Is okay. TV yeah. Of, so of in 1982, thing. less than a year after the publication of this book, uh, the TV movie Mazes and Monsters comes out. It stars Tom Hanks in his first starring right. role. What? 
It's fucking dog shit. Oh, it's so I think yeah, you can find you it on YouTube still. Small Tom Hanks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's really so bad. small. It's he's actually like it's very edifying to see someone like Tom Hanks just do a very bad job in a movie. But yeah. um but then he got big. There it is. Oh. Fantastic. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of a Tom Hanks joke, and I can't, Turner and Hooch. I don't know. Just <laughs> cast him away. Just cast, cast, <laughs> cast, him, cast him away. away. There you go. Saving the Pr- Lady Killers. Saving Private Remake. Ryan. <laughs> yeah. He's had quite a. He's had quite a. Uh, quite a career. Sully. He's had quite a career, just as yeah. far as like. It's it's the like a vast. Would, roles. would you say vast Atlas? Maybe a cloud Atlas. Would you say yeah. that Mazes and Monsters sullied his career? Oh Possibly. my god. Okay. I, I wouldn't, but I would say it would be better if it was set in Philadelphia. Shut up! Okay. So, <laughs> so Maze of the Monsters, the TV movie of the week, is also like a sensation. It gets re-aired a number of times. Also, in 1982, a teenager named Irving Pulling commits suicide. His mother, Patricia Pulling, then files a wrongful death suit against Irving's principal, claiming that the principal put a Dungeons & Dragons curse on her son, what? which caused him to kill himself. Oh, one of those. Yes. Yeah. Irving shot himself in the chest with yeah. a gun. Mm. So she started a group, and if you listen to the Night Trap episode, you'll hear us mention them there too, mm-hmm. called Bad <laughs> Oh yeah. Which is called Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. So which is a name that's so bad you'd think Marge Simpson came up with that it. That sounds like a podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, welcome, to, welcome to Bad Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. I'm your uh, dungeon master. <laughs> it's like it's like people who are oh, Steve uh, the Dungeon Master. People who yeah. uphold the original vision of Gary Gygax and are really upset yeah. with the way that Dungeons and Dragons is you, panning out. As you of really late. need to keep right. the orcs. You really need to keep the the subtext around the orcs. Otherwise, it's not pure anymore. Ugh. So so bad to. Uh, describes Dungeons and Dragons as a game that uses, and I'm shortening this list. This is a full quote with nothing in between. This is just a long block list that was in her her literature. Because again, Bad to it was really just her. It's not an organization. It's one lady. And a lot of these pressure groups at the time were really just like a person. Right. Right. Um, so Bad to it says that Dungeons and Dragons uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, sex perversion, homosexuality, nice. gambling, desecration. And other practices. Uh, again, the real list is about three or four Not times. Not other practices. I hate yeah. those other practices. <laughs> so she ends up getting a private investigator's license. Sweet. In Fantastic. order to become a law enforcement consultant. Wow. Oh, God. Wow. It all comes back to cops. It's always the fucking cops. Wow. And what happens is when you look at all of these other stories, the big. Uh, there's like a boulder murder suicide or double suicide. Um, there is a, a story about two like 20 year olds who tied up a friend and accidentally killed her. All these things that start getting linked to Dungeons and Dragons. Right. There, there's also a guy who who accidentally killed a friend with a shotgun <laughs> when he was 16 years old. And, and the Fuck. story is always like the police are like, well, Dungeons right. and Dragons had something to do with it. Right. And then when you actually get into the story, it has nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe Dungeons and Dragons had wasn't even something that the kid played. Right. Oh. Usually it's more about like kids who are in desperate situations, yeah. uh, poverty, and also have access to a gun. That is, you know, unsupervised right. access to guns well, and, like the, and irresponsible The Jay's behavior. Journal thing. Do you know Jay's Journal? Right. I'm not uh, familiar. It was, Let's talk about that. It was in the 70s. Uh, there was an author, I forget her name. Uh, she wrote a book called Go Ask Alice. And this mm, was yep. a 
kind of teen panic <laughs> book. I forget she was like a psych or like a therapist or a counselor or something. And so she started writing these books. Mm-hmm. She wrote this book, Go Ask Alice, which is supposedly about this, you know, wholesome teenage girl who gets involved with the drugs and mm. the big city, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The and jazz. just, you know, goes down. <laughs> yeah, jazz. Um, uh, you know, uh, s- s- pa- sitting in parlors. Uh, but the... Um, the old honky talk. for cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Ringing yeah. up her friends, saying ahoy hoy. Yeah. yeah. The um, playing billiards. So the, the entertainer um, plays on a piano roll. Sorry, let's... Riding, <laughs> riding two-wheeled bicycles. Yeah. Uh, Not going side saddle on a horse. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> just, just horrifying stuff. But um, so she gets into that and like you know leads her down the path to like ruin. I, I don't know if she dies. She might die at the end of it. But this became a big hit, and she passed it off yeah. as no, this is real. This is mm. a real thing. It's yeah, I remember it being very, written by anonymous. Yeah, very, it says all the very time. clearly not real. Like yeah. Yeah. Very, very. But at the time, people like ate it up, and um, it says she, it's real right there on the cover. She followed it up with um this uh, book called Jay's Journal, and it was. This uh, uh, parents of this kid who tragically uh, killed himself and Mm. they they thought that Go Ask Alice was real. And so they Mm. brought his diaries to this author and said, oh, your book is like, you know, helping these all these kids who are also in dire straits to like stay off of stay out of the drugs and the 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 go go 60s lifestyle. And so the. So can you take like our son's journals and maybe like make something good out of this so that other par- other families don't have to get into this? Which just fuck this lady regardless oh because it's just yeah. like you're, if what you're setting yourself Jesus. up on that grift of the when people are coming to you going like hi here's like the most precious horrible like hurtful things yeah I, can you please you're someone that we believe can make something good out of this yeah. and so yeah. here's what she did and she just she, goes fine yeah I'll take it she she took some of his journal stuff. But also uh-huh. made it so that he got into Satan and cattle of course, mutilation, of course. and there was a demon or a spirit guide or a demon named Raul who showed up. <laughs> Raul Sparza drove him to uh, <laughs> and basically drove him to suicide, and like the family was just absolutely horrified, obviously, yeah. out of it. And it's just this like absolute monster of a woman. So, right. Like, yeah. This general thing also just with obviously the rest of the satanic panic happening. At the time, yeah. There's also the book that comes out about the the little girl who is the the so the the supposed victim of satanic ritual abuse. Right, and most of this was fabricated by the author. Because it's still going. Obviously, this is a huge element of QAnon. Yeah, PizzaGate. Yeah, you also just see this online just popping up in general, and like so much of it was just reaction to post sixties. There are more women outside of the house working. And so who's watching yeah. the kids. And then there is right. just a lot more gay men in particular, but queer uh-huh. people mm-hmm. in general. Right. Out. And then people not going to church in the sixties. Uh, and then they're all into new agey weird stuff and freak out drugs. And then there was right. a bunch of serial killers yeah. in the seventies and all this together with like, this, it was just kind of this reactionary backlash that's still going, and they just picked a zillion yeah. things, one of which happened to be this <laughs> dork-ass game right. Dungeons and Dragons. And, and, yeah. and, well, and that, that's the thing, is like, Dallas Egbert was himself probably gay. Mm-hmm. Um, that information came out in Deer's own books, so which I, I, I kind of distrusted a little bit. Right. Um, but but he did write that in 84, after all of this stuff, because he was trying to actually talk down the Dungeons and Dragons stuff that he played up when he was still actively in the investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there, there's also yeah the the Garbage kid in, in Boulder who kills himself. The police were like, oh yeah, it's probably something to do with Dungeons and Dragons, which was a game he played a couple times. Sure, yeah. And he actually killed himself because he had stolen a car and driven it to Kansas and was about to get 
his sentencing for that, where they were hmm. going to force him to go back to school because he had dropped out of school. Well, it's also, I mean, why he killed himself. And the, and the kid with the shotgun who shot another friend, that was a coerced confession where the hmm. police basically just wrote up the whole thing, said that Dungeons and Dragons made him do it. And that's what he signed. This is just a lot easier you know. than dealing with any actual problems. Yes, yes. yes. right. And, yeah. like, and so, well, and, and you also have to see the pipeline of information. You have the ecosystem of police officer instruction is something that doesn't get talked about mm. enough. And throughout the 80s, there are instructional videos being released by detectives yeah. and by pastors and people like the founder of BADD, who got this PI license just so she could be a consultant for police departments sure. all around the country so they could presuppose any crime committed by a teenager. And again, most of these things would not happen if those kids just if their parents were able to lock up a, the gun that they had. Right. Um, They're able to say, no, it's the tabletop role playing game that mm -hmm. turned them Satanist and also gay. Yeah. So she teams up with this man, uh, Thomas Radecki, and they found the National Coalition on TV Violence. I talked about the National Coalition in the in the Night Trap episode. Right. As well. and that was yeah. Thomas Radecki. I realized that the same person was behind these two things. Yes. So Radecki is a psychiatrist. And, and Scott, you may have heard this name a little bit more recently in uh, local news. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, over time, <laughs> over time, uh, Patricia Pulling writes a totally unhinged, but still not really out of fashion for that era book about D&D. So she has her own book. This book gets completely discredited. Her organization is basically nothing by the 90s. She dies of lung cancer in 97 and that organization is gone. Radecki loses his license in 1992 for immoral conduct with a patient. Yeah. Radecki also was working with Tipper Gore on the Parents Music Resource Center at the same time. Again, this was like the only thing that a certain segment of America was paying any attention to whatsoever right, yeah. was just like how much swearing and whatever was going on in the entertainment that their children right, had. Right, yeah. This, sure, was, uh, this was such a core element of my entire childhood was mm -hmm. this, everything, this paranoia, this very demon yeah. demoniac world was did, just, yeah. Did all of you it's, it's have, so, the, uh, have the yeah. box that would censor live TV? Like no, you would read I, the closed captioning? I did. And it would, uh, it would, uh, bleep. it would take it the would swear mute. words out of the TV show. That is yeah. fancy. We, it, it would yeah. mute the people talking, so and then it would put up a little the closed TV, captioning. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'd you'd get the video and audio out into the box, and then you'd put it back into the TV. And so, whenever a swear word came up on the closed captioning, it would mute the TV for that block, and then it would have some sort of replacement word in the closed captioning for that swear. Yeah, <laughs> very okay. funny stuff. Wow. Yeah, uh, you get some hilarious. For whatever reason, they decided to censor the word Woody in closed captioning. So yeah. when you watch Toy Story, he was always just listed as Notion. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 exactly the one I was going to bring up because we would awesome. watch Toy Story at my friend's house, and it would be like, "Who's Notion? <laughs> Notion and Buzz, <laughs> famous Pixar character, Notion the cowboy, Notion the cowboy, a Tom Hanks performance." Hey, hey. Notion the cowboy sounds like a character from an anime. Like it does. <laughs> I was going to say this sounds very anime. Suddenly, so so. When he loses his license, uh, Thomas Radecki hands control of the National Coalition to a woman named Carol Lieberman, who I talked about at length in the Night Trap episode, who is, among other things, famous for basically being the first architect of a gay panic defense in American jurisprudence. That's right. Uh, she sucks. These are just um, the worst people. This just is the just worst. worst, worst oh, no, Thomas, Radecki, yeah. Thomas Radecki gets his license back in 2002 
And then he starts to run an opioid addiction treatment center in Clarion County, Pennsylvania. Ah. He's a good person. He did good things. Look at this. By 2012, he had amassed about 1,000 patients, which uh, is totally normal. Mm. Don't think about it. It's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then apparently he was uh, he was a fan of using alternative addiction treatments. Just, and now I have the treating opioid addiction. About where yeah. this is going, Brian. Treating uh, opioid addiction is really, really hard. Uh, I mean, addiction in general is just like your failure rate is always going to be higher than your success rate. Right. Yeah. Uh, but he starts championing other medications to give people. And according to uh, the case file, he was getting people addicted to those drugs and getting them dependent yes, on sir. him specifically. Yes, sir. And so then he he's just a nice guy, though. So he opens up his house to his patients. Mm. And he, he says it's a it's a sort of communal living. You know, we all like that. Oh, we all love no. communes. Um, uh, I have heard of this. I'm realizing as yes. you were going through this, I, I I just looked it up and I'm like, fuck yeah, I know exactly yeah. where this goes. So he starts trading these drugs out. He gives people free drugs in exchange for sex. Sweet. Um, so he has sex with hundreds of women that are in his care. Hmm. Uh, even fathering a child with one of them. Fuck. And he kind of had this looping system. He had another house across the street, so people would live with him, and then he'd start dating someone else, so he'd have her live across the street, and then he'd throw the old person out and bring that person into his house. So he's uh, he's in prison. Uh, he was sentenced in 2016, and he's probably never going to see the outside of a jail this cell is, again. Good. These are just the worst people. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. they're a specifically kind of American kind of bad people, yeah. too. This they're, is the caliber yeah. of human being that was leading the charge right. against Dungeons & Dragons, all for the sake of getting book deals, developing yep. fame, gr- uh, growing influence, and pushing deranged evangelical agendas. Yeah, it's like all it was. Uh, it was most of it's like a hustle. It was like the. Yeah. I remember like during like the January sixth thing where it's like. How many of these people who are like doing this are like currently live streaming for like right. their Instagram or whatever, right. but they're talking right. supplements? And like, many of them full were names, and... their address, their business. Right. Yeah, that, that's it, it, many of them were, and ironically, of course, that's what ended up allowing the feds to nail them. Like they're, they're continually right. yeah. getting brought in. And so, of course, you know, uh, mazes and monsters is kind of the first one, but then we get a whole ecosystem of anti Dungeons and Dragons material. Right. The most famous piece is probably Jack Chick's comic yeah. tract. Uh, called Dark Dungeons. Great, great comic. Which is I'll actually kind of low tier Jack so Chick, funny. if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Yeah. It, it's one of his least unhinged tracks. Uh, absolutely. Considering yeah. there's, the subject, there's, there's nothing yeah. about how the Pope is is coming over with it. Yeah. Yeah. They get way, way, way I think way, I'm way coming weirder. around to Jack Chick's side on the whole Pope. Well, 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 well <laughs> to be clear, uh, as a Catholic, the Pope does have an army and we are coming. So That's true. Well, like, who are the people who are like, it's the Swiss. Guards, who are the people in the Vatican that are the, the Swiss, Swiss Army? Yeah. The Swiss Army. Yeah. The Swiss Army. They have knives. The, the, the yeah. Swiss Guard. They're not the, the, the Swiss Army. It's, yeah, it's the Swiss Guard somehow. Okay. I don't, no one knows how Switzerland works, uh, yeah. least of all the Swiss. Yeah. Okay. That's how it is. They well, speak their French plays are there, so weird. Which is not what I would have expected. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, we have the sat- Satanic Panic, which is in full bloom throughout the 80s. You know, like this is the reaction not to the freewheeling 60s anymore, but to the freewheeling tabletop role playing 1980s. <laughs> We have an army of dorks that are here to corrupt the youth of America. Satanic Panic is fully mainstream. Oprah does an episode about it. Right. And I don't. she doesn't do an episode on the panic. She does an episode about how satanic cults are real and they're strong and they're my friend. Right. Uh, Geraldo Rivera does a big episode, a, a full, full hour 
just on how Satanism is real and thriving in all of the dark corners of America. People talk about how insane QAnon is, and it is, but you yeah. don't actually have mainstream TV personalities like fucking Oprah mm-hmm. devoting an entire episode to how QAnon is actually happening right yeah. now. And a lot of this, a lot of QAnon beliefs, it's like obviously more of like a modern like Omni mm-hmm. uh, conspiracy, but like most of that shit yeah. is stuff that like you you heard. Yeah, it's warmed time. over. Like yeah. it, it is very yeah. just re refreshed, rebranded with some some of the quieter parts said loud. That's about it. Yeah, like, it, it is really fried beans of conspiracy you'd, you'd theories. You'd hear about yeah. like which entertainments around were satanic, and this stuff bled into the '90s. So I, I experienced it as a kid. It was not so much of the active panic going on, but being like, "Yeah, you can't watch the Smurfs." Yeah, because those are actually the spirits of the dead, <laughs> rather than what, what they actually are is far worse, which is Belgian. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so every my- episode we lose another European market, Brian. <laughs> Right, I've gone after the Finnish, now I go after the Belgians. Um, it's okay. And and then James Dobson on his radio show is just railing right. against this day after day after yeah, day after day. Yeah, it was day. a very, that was like literally all we heard about for a very long time, basically. Yeah, and the thing is like Odyssey can kind of do its own thing a lot of the time, but James Dobson can sort of choose to get involved whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. That's why he gets rid of the bumbling cop character, right. because it's unfriendly to the cops. Um, <laughs> He's an interventionist god. He just pops yeah. in occasionally to slightly direct history. Then he decides, like, we're gonna do a Dungeons and Dragons episode. We're gonna make it a two-parter. This has to be... We're doing the very special episode. We're doing the movie of the week. We are going to make this thing. We are going to put the literal fear of God into these children. So take it away, Josh. Yeah, well, so I, the other thing I'm kind of wondering about real quick before we do that, Scott, yeah. like what is your background with uh, with with uh, Dungeons & Dragons, with RPGs, with anything like that? Do you have one? Uh, no, because I never got into playing tabletop because like mm-hmm. at the age I would have been into that was height of this. Like sure. it, was, yeah. it was it was sold oh, wow. to me as like the ult, kind of ultimate evil. Like it is really comedic to talk about it now because you know, everyone's like, yeah, that's like a weird, funny thing happened. It was like, it like subsumed everything. It was right. like all of media right. was like, if you ever watched like Hell's Bells, which is like the classic, like you go, go track down on YouTube Hell's Bells if you have a couple hours and just enjoy because it is this, but about all pop culture, but particularly music. And it was how, you know, Aleister Crowley was the, behind it all. And stuff, and uh, it, it, it was this, but for music, just for right. uh, music yeah. in general, but pop culture too. So it was like everything was a source of kind of like paranoia. Yeah. Did um, you ever? And, did you ever like yeah. burn your CDs or do anything like that? Like the whole no, by burn, I mean physically yeah. burn, not like yeah, burn your CD. Yeah, 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 yeah. CD. No, yeah, it's the mixtape era. Yeah, yeah, I never did that because I was like, I I bought it, but like into it, but not in the sense of like. I don't know, like, I so like I had, like, Dragon Warrior, like, the NES RPG that you got okay. with a subscription to Nintendo Power, mm-hmm. which, like, at the Hell time yeah. was, like, a really good deal, because, like, you know, we didn't have You got of, it with a subscription? Yeah, that was how everyone in, at that age had got into playing a console JRPGs was because wow. Nintendo Power gave it away with a, with uh, a subscription. Okay. It was the only way I got it, because we weren't buying a lot of video games, and so... Yeah. Um, and so, like, my parents ended up taking that away. Oh, interesting. And, like, it threw out my, like, Nintendo power because it had, like, magic symbols right. and demons and stuff in it. And so I wasn't exposed to it as much. And by the time, this is really funny, by the time, like, I got into high school, like, 
there were kind of like a couple different paths you could take as a kind of like a dorky kid who didn't like uh-huh. really like fit in. And like of those paths, I got into like the punk scene right. as opposed to the D&D scene, which were like two separate yeah. things. Oh, and sure. legitimately, the people in my school who were who were actually into that were all like the people like the, the classic nerds, like in the sense of like we get good grades. Yeah, yeah. I literally was not astute enough academically yeah. i don't think to uh to hang out with them so i just started going to punk shows instead and got involved sure. in bands. and honestly <laughs> in yeah. hindsight i lucked out i flipped yeah. that, that that coin that fateful coin flip when i was like 15 when i was around chris's age or Connie's age um i don't know how old chris is but the uh she's age was chris's age, age yeah. Yeah. chris will never die chris was never born yeah i zigged instead of zagged and as such yeah yeah to uh into tape. Uh, it was straight console RPGs for me. Sure. Uh, so, well, yeah. so so then let's yeah let's get into the episode. Um, after that great introduction by Doctor Dobson. Blessings be upon his name. Blessings be upon his name. The, the uh, <laughs> can I just say uh, briefly that this is not an intro uh, where Chris necessarily comes in. It's I think it Wit opens this episode by building an invention that flushes, and he's yeah. like, I just got to yes, figure yes, out what this does. The toilet. Whatever. He invents <laughs> the toilet. But Good my dream, <laughs> my dream is that one day that invention that Wit is working on explodes and kills him. Well, <laughs> I and, always have uh, my fingers crossed. We 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 basically open up here with uh, Jimmy Barkley, you know, and you remember the Barkleys. They're our all-American family. Jimmy's the son, and uh, hey, relatives are coming to visit. We got Len, the cousin, who's voiced by the same guy, by the way, who voices Richard Maxwell. They let Maxwell out of prison, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they do actually let Maxwell out of prison, but that's a different episode. And Len is in, uh, <laughs> and, and and you know, Len has brought some games with them in his bag and guess what these games are so much better than zapazoids mm, and the reason that, for children <laughs> i've been told yeah and yeah. the reason that it's so much better than zapazoids is that it's like real you know and uh, len shows jimmy the game and then they get into the character building process have you ever heard of castles and cauldrons gotta go fast that sounds familiar <laughs> here look at this book it tells you about it castles and cauldrons a role-playing fantasy game my friends and i play all the time See, you become a character, and once you prove yourself worthy, you get certain powers. Powers? Yeah, you'll see. So what's all this other junk? Our equipment to play. Swords and belts and other things we'll need. <laughs> it's like already immediately, End of list. immediately very shifty. Other and he like won't tell the parents that he has toys <laughs> right. to play a game, which they wouldn't be suspicious about at all. Yeah. And, yeah. uh... The character creation is a bit different from what normally happens in character creation, where like you name your character and you build <laughs> yeah, stats. A, a few and, things yeah. are a little bit different. <laughs> you have no choice. There's no, no choice in this yeah, version. This, this diverges slightly from a more traditional. No, no, no. This yeah. this is an RPG. This is this is closer to uh, I think how Cyberpunk 2020 works. Right. If, if I've read correctly. Right. This is this is this is an <laughs> RPG in which uh, the dungeon master, which in this case is Len, uh, tells you your name, tells you what you're going to be doing, <laughs> tells you literally everything else, and forces you... It's like you're joining Synanon, and he's like, okay, we're going to shave your head, we're going to give you a new name, your child doesn't belong to you anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that- go build San Bernardino. He, he becomes that notorious D&D class, The Apprentice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then they go down to the forest, and they're start, uh, whacking around with plastic swords in hand. You know, they're LARPing. And um, yeah, because it's again also the LARPing, LARPing doesn't even have rules. <laughs> also LARPing, <laughs> yes. Like, and this, I mean, this follows the whole trend. Like this is, if you watch Mazes and Monsters, that's what they're doing. Mm. They're just going around waving their arms around in a steam tunnel. 
and not sitting around a table with a whole bunch of paper and dice. Right, yeah. right. Although they do roll like, this is exactly just, once. They're just playing <laughs> pretend. Yeah. That's all they're doing is sw- swinging sticks around and playing pretend. Well, and what's so yeah, interesting... The most normal ass thing for two yeah. kids in the woods. And to it's the exactly. sort of thing that Adventures in Odyssey theoretically encourages. This is the sort of imaginative play that the imagination station is supposedly right. built for. Um, it's exactly I'm sorry, the you, you need to go to the approved station to have right. imagination. Right, no, that's Thank actually you. a really good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you can't stand there too long. Uh, Connie's got a mop. So you need, to, you, you need to know all about the American Revolution and other Bible stories. Uh, <laughs> so I, ha- I have a little bit about the, um, because I think this is actually very well written. The way that Len is constantly digging into Jimmy mm. and making him get into this. Uh, so we have them swinging the swords around in the woods. Yep. Keep your eyes closed. Hold up your sword and listen. Okay, what now? I'm going to hit your sword with mine. It is the test. Test? It listen is the to test. the sound of the swords clashing. Like, this is a scene <sighs> from The Master. What did you hear? Two plastic swords hitting each other? You have to concentrate, John Dell. These are not two plastic <laughs> oh, yeah. swords. Len names Jimmy John Dell. To the Dell. eye, maybe. But to the mind, they're real. Listen again. Uh, no, I can't hear it. The and grunt again. with each hit. <laughs> Wait. And again, John Dell, listen. Something's happening. Again, do you hear it? Ooh, what's that music? Do you hear it? It, I mean, it's literally, it's the scene in The Master where Amy Adams is having Joaquin Phoenix look into her eyes Ooh. and have has the color of her eyes change just through the, the constant process of brainwashing. Len is brainwashing right. Jimmy, taking away his identity, forcing right. him to have a certain attitude about things that he himself doesn't have, and then forcing him to uh, play with his imagination which is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. What's also funny is like they would be making the sounds with their mouths. Yeah. Like right. any kid playing around with swords is going to be like, you know, ting, ting. Yeah. It, it is weird that like you know. uh, Jimmy here, one, I'm actually like impressed with Jimmy's like kind of like mental guards against mm. Len for most of this. Cause he's just like, man, this is fucking weird. <laughs> he's like, memorized. He's memorized so many Bible verses. Yeah. Right. He's, right now. Yeah. His, his mind is a steel trap for the most part, but the, uh, or steel fortress, I guess. But like, yeah, he's, he's remarkably co- cogent about how weird this is mm-hmm. as opposed to yeah. most normal kids who are like, yeah, I know what it's like to play with a stick and pretend it's a sword or whatever. I understand this. I do this all the time. I'm literally a child. I do yeah. this Jimmy lives purely within the rational world. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. he's, he's like, yeah. Like, Len's like, do you know what it's like to like pretend you have a sword? And he's like, yes, I'm like 10. I <laughs> I, I'm in aware. fact, most things I have in life are imaginary. But there age. seems to be some <laughs> undercurrent of darkness going on. We hear it with that audio cue. And uh, right. right after this, Wit is... Uh, Here we go. Yeah, mm. let's hear it. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Are you all right? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I am. I don't know what happened. Well, it looks like you had a slight attack of Butterfingers. Oh, it's so yeah. curious. Yeah. Classic. I, I was putting these glasses away mm. and it suddenly felt bad. Oh. <laughs> Almost as if something terrible is about to happen. Came down with a case of bad. <laughs> yeah, so this is my favorite thing, is that Jimmy getting into tabletop role-playing games is causing demons to torment John Avery right, Baker yeah. specifically. He's felt a disturbance in the Lord. Here, <laughs> 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 and this comes up, I mean, there's, I think, even a page 
or like a subhead on the AIO wiki about wit and his spiritual gift mm. for not premonitions, but it's a, it's yeah, a feeling discernment, spirit, yeah. insight, right. yeah. whatever. Yeah, you yeah. can't. You they wouldn't be premonitions. Yeah, he, exactly. He can see just beyond the veil. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wit is kind of. He really is. He's such the all-purpose patriarch because he's mm-hmm. like. He's like, oh yeah, kindly sixty-five-year-old dude uh, who has done. He's 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 been a troop. He's been like a scientist. Yeah. He's worked for the NSA. Right. He's also into books and stuff because that's, that's he's an great. archaeologist. Uh, he's an archaeologist. He was a teacher. Um, and also he's a fucking warrior of light, defending. Yes. <laughs> it's like the fucking. It's like the people in this present darkness or other Frank Peretti books yes. or something. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's the only thing standing between uh, Odyssey and uh, Hellmouth opening up underneath the town. Yeah, basically. Maybe, and that's what happened in Connellsville. Right. Which comes in the form of them electing a Democrat. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after oof. after Wick gets his not premonition, George, uh, Jimmy's dad, is uh, trying to like be like, hey, you know, Jimmy, what's going on with Len? And Len's being real dodgy about it. And Len tells Jimmy that, you know, you can't talk about this. You can't. And so from here, we go back into Wit praying again. He's praying about how something evil has arrived. He wants to know what it means. It's a weird prayer. It's a very weird prayer. Because at first it's it's an exposition. I I think it's an intentional device where they want you to think that Wit is talking to somebody. Yes. Right. It's very informal. Mm. It's not the way I would imagine Wit to pray. No, at all. no, no, no. Because uh, he's not a cool Christian. No. He's he's one of the lame ones. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, okay, he's talking to God. This episode, I think the second episode diffuses this a bit, but the, the first episode is constantly just turning that ratchet. Yeah. It's it really is building the tension mm-hmm, incredibly mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. And so they're always making use of the sound like the clock that's in Wit's right. office or the 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 slow droning sounds yeah. that they got from their new synthesizer. It genuinely is very unnerving for a lot of it. I was surprised by how unnerved I was. It's very oppressive, and it's especially so when you listen to this at age eight. Yeah, I mean, I I think the only only thing for me that really held it back is that the music is cheesy still it's very cheesy yeah um, they're still on the bridge they still haven't fully transitioned over yeah. into better music um but it is enough and you know at this point then len and jimmy go out after hours and len is saying hey man you want to move objects with your mind you want to you want to have the real power and uh, jimmy jimmy it, it actually one of the guys that len used to play with was uh, a guy named medwin the miraculous who could close mm, his eyes medwin he could close medwin. his eyes and the <laughs> mystery of medwin he can see shit from a bird's perspective, but Jimmy's not ready for that power yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's right, my question: right. Medwin, yeah, Medwin can can embed himself into the mind of a bird. Yeah, I thought that was great. That's some like, and I was like, wait, that has, that's that's the fucking that's Game like, of Thrones. It has shit. some that nice specificity yeah, to it. Once in Future King, yeah. Insert, well, it was so specific yeah. that made me go, okay, is that grabbing from something specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I believe I would into assume, the woods. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you talk to birds. Well, yeah. I would assume uh-huh. specifically it's drawing from from Camelot, from the Merlin and King Arthur, mm. oh, and, and right, the sort okay. of projection into a bird. Yeah, but I, do yeah. Think- I literally thought that this was another one of those things. Like, and a book came out, and it said that. I mean, it it could be. It yeah. could be something that's in mazes and monsters, where it's but, like someone became a bird. But I, it was at this point in the episode where I I sort of realized what the conceit of like Calsons and Cauldrons was, and what the thesis was. And I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. do they think? That the magic is real? Yes. In yes. these games? They yes. think or, that or 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 close oh. enough to being or or you're 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 just meddling with shit and opening a door to d- demons or whatever. You may not but, actually but yes, get magic, AJ, but yeah, yeah. Demons themselves can and will enter this plane yes. if you are 
carrying out these acts. Right. Well, yes. It's, I mean, this is something they literally believe in, although it comes up very, uh, in my experience, it came up very rarely. We did live in a rational Jimmy Barkley kind of world. Sure. But then like Halloween would roll around and there would be someone's parents who were like, no, 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 there's like real stuff that people are doing. And They'll do incantations over the candy at Walmart. It's also worth noting yeah. that this shit isn't really in the Bible. Like there, there is there is some no, stuff in the there. No, there's the Witch of Endor, that one thing, which yeah. is kind of weird and no one and, reads that yeah, verse. And then there's like, there's a couple, there's a Diamond Magi or someone who shows up in the, in the, in the new, in the New Testament. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and he ends up burning his scrolls because he's like, oh, I guess I won't do that anymore. But, but there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing like this kind of specificity about this idea. This was really something that was kind of invented by evangelical Christians in the late 80s, early 90s. Like you said, it was that Frank Peretti stuff, right? Of like, there's demons out there and they're real and they're, well, they're not my friend. They're my enemy. They're my friends. Right. I I, I was going to ask you who grew up in, in this kind of culture, yeah. like what was your interactions with this sort of thing? Yeah. As, as like as in adults kind of in, like, being like, no, this is real. So, this is a real thing. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, Josh, it's interesting that you asked that because um, my dad was uh, and, and to an extent still is very much a strong believer in this specific type of eschatology. The, right. it, it, oh. and, and a lot of that is informed very much by Frank Peretti um, and, oh, and, and his books. Um, but also... AJ, Frank Peretti is the evangelical Stephen King. Yes. Yeah, that's the best way oh. of describing yeah. it. And Ted Decker is the Dean Koontz. Great. Yeah. And, and and again, he's not the rival barber to Sweeney Todd. No. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Not every Italian is the rival barber of Sweeney Todd, AJ. <laughs> I grew up Italian. I was surrounded by rival barbers. <laughs> <laughs> AJ, you seem to have had, I don't know anything about your actual upbringing, but uh-huh. I appreciate how much of this is just you finding out horrible things. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's yeah. pretty much the conceit of what's Endless Summer or Ought to See You Next Fall is my, yeah. was my other one I was going to pick. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, so I have very distinct, a very distinct memory of, I got recommended a book at the local library by the, the librarian there. He, great guy. You know, I, he was one of the people who really encouraged not just to love my love of reading, but also, um, really encouraging me to take the initiative to read new stuff and kind of discover my yeah. own taste in literature. Okay. And he suggested like a fantasy book. And, I, and I, I took it, I brought it home. My dad saw it and he like sat me down later and was like, hmm. Josh, that book um, is connected to Dungeons and Dragons. And you know that that is like, that is real spiritual stuff. You know, their spiritual warfare is real. And you need to be very careful about that sort of thing. And I don't, I don't remember if he like actually forced me to bring it back to the library or not, but I didn't end up reading it. I do remember that. Hmm. So in, in, in my house, we were not, I mean, right. This kind of blew over a little bit. We were into the nineties, into the two thousands, but the, the urban legends around Dungeons and Dragons were alive and well. I remember friends talking about, oh yeah, there was this guy, you know, my cousin, uh, his friend, somebody at his church, he was found, you know, he had hung himself in his house. Mm. And then when they went into his bedroom, they saw that he was playing a Dungeons and Dragons game on the computer and the devil told him to kill himself. Hell yeah. The, computer. the yeah. message was still on the screen. Mm. And I'm like, that, I think this is why I like the movie Pulse so much, because it's not even novel to me. I'm like, yeah, of course, ghosts and demons live on the screen. <laughs> of course, um, yeah. How else they travel? <laughs> <laughs> so like it was all still there. Um, I, I remember watching the Smurfs, but then my mom got a little iffy about it. My parents were not like zealous about this kind of thing, although we didn't read Harry Potter in our house, which I, I honestly don't think I missed out at this point. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to yep. spoil it, but that didn't all turn out very well. I, I mean, I read the Lord of the Rings. I, I read fantasy. I played JRPGs. We, we had Pokemon. That wasn't a problem. We didn't get Pokemon cards because my parents thought they were a scam. And you know what? 
Yeah, They're right. close enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. It would have paid off and, later on, uh, though, if you'd hung on to them. I can tell you that much. I still got them. Sell them, AJ. Sell them. Okay. okay the market's fine. hot. Sell them now. Yeah, do it now. The bubble's going to blow. Um, the only trading cards I have are bootleg Yu-Gi-Oh cards I got at the Navajo Nation Fair Hell in middle yeah. school. <laughs> um, but uh, but that, that was the other thing. Is like I grew up in Gallup, New Mexico, which is a border town on the Navajo Nation, and there's a lot of tension between like traditional... Navajo families and and evangelical Christian right. and, and like my parents didn't have any issue with Halloween my church didn't have any issue with that although there were parents at church who did it and my church uh, did have a an alternative thing you could go do the fall festival at church ah the harvest party <laughs> but they didn't they weren't like explicit about it being like we're protecting children from the satanic wiles mm-hmm. of Halloween I would go trick or treating and then we'd go to church and get like more free candy mm. sure. so it, it it was a lot of give and take. But I definitely believe the background radiation. I mean, like, it wasn't that I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter, although I may not have been. It's that I never broached the idea mm. of reading Harry Potter. Right. I read other things. I started reading The Jungle and Lord of the Flies, which, again, th- this ended up being better for me. What about you, Scott? <laughs> was, what, was your, uh, what was your experience with spiritual warfare? Uh, my, uh, my parents were similar. Like, my parents, like, got more. Like, my parents were just very, like, kind of Reagan Democrat, uh, Reagan Democrats, yeah, Reagan, Reagan Democrats, Democrats, like Obama, but the, uh, uh, they were Reagan, like, kind of, like, Repu- they were, like, Mitt Romney Republican mm. type uh, folks who were just kind yeah. of sure. moral majority-ish, yep. uh, this is, like, in the mid to late 80s. That's not was, dissimilar like, really, from uh, my dad, he's a pro-Republican, but, like, similar, similar vibes. My, my, my mom was a Reagan Democrat, she was a Democrat all the way through Carter and then voted for Reagan mm. and went Republican. Ah, that... That that whole thing, yeah. That she thing, was yeah. actually a part of the the moral majority movement. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like, um, as I got older and we were actually going to like Christian schools and more involved in like that kind of culture, like they definitely absorbed that background radiation, particularly with media. They were like into my high school a- ages. Like I was like the one in my family that like shattered the the, the ceiling of like listening to secular music mm. that was loud, uh, kind of <laughs> kind of thing. Like that was a huge 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 deal in, in my house, right? But, um, but my parents were like not super like they were weird because they didn't believe in like the, a lot of demons are all over the place. But they were very big into us not having satanic media. Um, I don't know if huh. it's because they, they thought it was demonic more that it would be a bad influence. Um, they kind of were like, yeah. oh, it will, you know, cause you to, you know, off yourself in the steam tunnels, that kind of thing. Uh, but I was around the schools I went to and like every family I was ar- I was around and also all the media that my parents kind of gave us. Like, like, for example, Carmen. I, right. Who I brought yeah. up as, as we need to do the, an episode about Carmen at some yeah, point. Yeah, it was just like the, the yeah. ultimate punchline of that time. Like it was that thing that there are like witches everywhere, there are demons everywhere, and like I loved Halloween as a kid, but then I eventually, as I was growing up, like met families who were extraordinarily against Halloween. Like, and we also yeah, had the chapels wow. that were like, and you know, here are altars to whatever. And like <laughs> in fourth grade, I remember my teacher telling us just straight out, uh, an adult saying like. In uh, in public schools, you're not allowed to pray, and actually, they'll they'll arrest you if mm-hmm. you try to pray. Yeah. And oh also, my God. Yeah. Now you can also make an offering to a goddess if you want, but you can't say Jesus's name, or else you'll get expelled. Uh, you can go to the <laughs> boiler room, and actually, they'll have an altar where you can make an offering of a small animal. Right. And like we're like, I'm like nine, and I'm like, holy shit. And it, w- it was that kind of stuff. I remember uh, my friend Ryan's mom was like, I used to be a witch, and was into all this kind of shit back when I lived in wherever. And uh, she didn't say all this kind of shit. That would be funny though. But the, um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and she was like, Oh, like when Ryan who's like, my friend was like, was born, like, you know, Satan tried to like pop up 
and like and like steal him. And then at one point, I, I hate was it like, when that happens. I yeah, really hate it when that happens. He's like, he's like I, need, I need this kid in particular for whatever. <laughs> but um, and uh, Ryan, yeah, at one point, I need she you was for my like, <laughs> yeah. He's, it was a, it was an omen type situation. Uh, she was like, yeah, I was on one side of the house and I just felt God saying like, go to the other side of the house. And I went and there, there was nothing there. And then like, when I came back though, like there was a demon that was like coming up the stairs to where I had just been, which is kind of like a funny turn of events where it's like, God's like, Hey, get out of there. There's about to be a demon that pops up in your room. <laughs> and then you, you get up there and then like the, you just walk out there. And the demon's just like, <laughs> you're like, like got the and we were demons course, love stairs though. Yeah. Like it, they're always on stairs. They're just yeah. hanging out uh, yeah. there. Cause they're, uh, they gotta get know, their steps in. Yeah. They, they got their little demon Fitbits, but, the, um, uh, but yeah, so it was that kind of thing. And sure. then like it, when I was like an adult, like I had kind of stopped believing that this stuff was real by the time I was in like mm. later in high school, at least not like literally. Early, but I and yeah. as an adult again back when I was um, when this is actually what literally one of the things that made me uh, eventually lose my faith was being around a lot of adults and being around this from the adult angle mm. and just seeing how this affected people's lives sure. and these these kinds mm. of beliefs um, and a lot of times it was like a lot of like pretty just desperate people who were like I need an explanation for why this thing happened right but a lot of it literally was just white suburban people uh, coming up with things to be scared of. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It was it was that QAnon type thing where it's like the we yeah. have a very reactionary bent to this that we need to spiritualize in some way, and this provides yeah. the reason why we can be terrified. So I've seen like a lot of like exorcism type sure. stuff, uh, oh, sure. and uh -huh. uh, just people going like, "I had a dream about this, and that means like a, a demon was here." And just yeah, it's, there was just a lot of it because again, a lot of the way that people talk a lot about sort of Christian faith is that the real kind is the kind of progressive don't take it literally this is just kind of like a fun it's the john fugel saying right. like hey mm. republic hey republicans <laughs> maybe if you read the bible you'd know that jesus would have voted for biden or something like that like people are like oh no but like that's that stuff that oh, those other people believe that's not real christianity real christianity is this more cosmopolitan right. metaphorical stuff and it's like no there's lots and lots of people for whom this is like a real life and death struggle every right. single day i like there being this idea of like calvinism arminianism and fugal sangianism i don't sangianism, i yeah, refuse to allow this podcast to devolve into a conversation about john fugel sang <laughs> sorry i refuse See, that's the unholiness hey, I've actually he and daisy fuentes this. were the best america's funniest home videos hosts <laughs> bar none um like way better than bob saget and tom bergeron can go fuck let's himself. get back into adventures and odyssey i want to i want to wrap up you know no wait no no i need to talk about tom bergeron no, for a second one of the worst no, motherfuckers no, no, ever invaded no, we're not like that, that, that's a demon that was a demon that was raised from a game of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Not even a good ritual that actually raises like cool demons because he sucks right, shit. Right, right. And he was on every fucking TV uh, show. He was hosting everything. It was like how Charlie Rose was just all of a sudden doing news everywhere and flashing everybody. <laughs> Except that Tom Bergeron wasn't doing that because he probably doesn't even have genitals. He's not like a, a living being right. of any kind. But one thing that one thing He's, that is yeah. a living being of any kind is a fun fact hmm. is that Tom Bergeron's genitals is just a smaller Tom Bergeron who waves at you. <laughs> um, okay, so back to Completely the episode, flavorless. right? Um, Donna, you know, Jimmy's sister. Oh, um, for God's her sake, Her doll Donna. has had its arms ripped off. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Now, sure has. George uh, an antique collector's doll. And, and George takes a look at it. What, what was interesting is that, like, 
in terms of dramatically, George should have immediately been like, Jimmy, what the fuck did you do? Right. And instead he's like, no, there's no way that Jimmy it. or Len, Len, the child I know is extremely troubled and right. that's why he's staying with us. There's no way they could have hurt your doll, Donna. Right. You These are, are the being hysterical. Cat. Right. It was uh, Ferguson. It was woman, and you were speaking up too much. The, that belongs to your dead friend. But um, uh, and then and then Len implies that he has somehow astral projected into Ferguson yes, the cat which I and scratched loved. up the doll I himself. That hell yeah. The, <laughs> between this and the previous episode, there's a lot of adults going, "Hey, stop being so suspicious of each other." And whereas yeah. this show is fucking just paranoia, right? All over. It is small town white Christian paranoia, like to a T. And it's just funny how like both of these are like. No, you always want to assume the best when it comes to, for example, uh, thieving or demons. Right. Like, yep. Yes. <laughs> so Len's like, hey, Jimmy, you want to see some real magic? And that's like the end of <laughs> part one. So so Jimmy sets up some candles, which are, of oh, course, yeah. just like the big telltale sin- symbol. Right. Like whenever these Dungeons and Dragons news stories happen, it's like this kid committed suicide. Also, there were candles in his room. There were some candles. They were black. Yeah. The law enforcement guides, they're like, if you see red and black candles. <laughs> they're anti-fascist. They're <laughs> <laughs> They're part of the demon cult known as Antifa. What are the candles for? Effect. I like candles. I like the the shadows they make. I think they're kind of creepy. That's nah. right, Jimmy. Jimmy thinks they're creepy. John Dell likes them. Jimmy, Jimmy, be scared of candles. Stay away from the papists. And Len starts to tell Jimmy, Tests are nothing once you've mastered castles and cauldrons. Things change. Life changes. Mm. Mine has. Sounds like it. I've been able to do things myself. Yeah? What kind of things? I can suck my own dick. (laughs) (laughs) Castles and cauldrons. One of the many wonders of castles and cauldrons. (laughs) Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so we end up in, in, in episode yeah, two of this. Yeah. And, 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 and now they're being hunted down by uh, an organization called the Wizards of Kith. And I'm assuming these are just hype beasts, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other thing is that, like, Len really makes this sound so cool. Like, this sounds like a thing that I want to be a part of. I want magic. Yeah. I want the ability See, to talk to birds. That's yeah. the allure. That's the, the danger. The counter to that, though, is that Len just is just fucking annoying. Yeah, yeah he's, he just, he's, he's, he's a yeah. bad he's, guy. He, he just sucks to hang out he with. Sucks. Like, it just sounds like he's bad at well, teaching and, this and, game. And again, like, yeah. I would never want this guy DMing my that game. That McCusker has tapped into really well is that Len is using all of these really hallmark manipulation strategies. Right. right? So Len, at the beginning of this episode, is constantly testing Jimmy's loyalty. Right two castles and cauldrons it's like yeah. you left the game you wanted to pause the game and go to wit's end don't you don't aren't you dedicated don't you want to accomplish something don't you care don't you care about me don't you love you know like i will say though at this point as a game i'm very confused about the baseline rules of castles and cauldrons right the mechanics yeah. of this have not been made yeah yeah Scott, as, you just as swing a, your swords around and then you summon a demon it yeah. is, is i this think is, all this it really is something is. that i wanted to briefly touch on if you're willing to talk about it scott as a game designer tell me your <laughs> thoughts about castles <laughs> Castles and cauldrons, like I, it either has the worst rules or the greatest rules that ever created. I I don't know because, like, there's no, um, it, it, it does, it is the kind of like the sort of, it's, it's the art, like the kind of tabletop RPG version of like when you see like someone in a TV show and they're playing, they're like, they're like, they're clearly playing Grand Theft Auto three. Or something, and right, they're like, right. oh, I just need to do this, and then I get to the next level. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got to beat the level, and they're yeah. just banging on the 
on the controller, like <laughs> yeah. this, just every button. Yeah. And they're like, oh, sweet, I got to the next level. And it's just, I just turned a thousand points. Yeah, that kind of thing. It's, it's that version of it where it's like, we've kind of internalized that these are certain things that sort of happen, but I think that the reality of D&D is just not interesting. Like, mm-hmm. it's not. Like, it is like, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. It completely takes place inside people's, heads and half right. the time it's just a bunch of people goofing off right and and, right. and all that so like you have to really invent a reason a way that this is interesting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like that kind of like hushed tones of like we're gonna go do this and we're gonna do that and right. it's like, yeah, i'm sure that 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 takes place a, a little bit but it is not certainly not the rule and also these generally what's happening in these kinds of games is not people going and trying to induct their younger cousin into it like it's a fucking cult or whatever mm-hmm. like right. yeah. like it, like it's some sort of esoteric like order or whatever well, also it's, what kind of campaign have you ever heard of that can be played with two guys that's ridiculous yeah. well it's like yeah. two guys do, doing larps in the i'm like i'm like i think this is just they're just playing around i, right. I don't know that right. there's any sort of right. like rules yeah to this. they're this just, is just they're just fucking around yeah you're yeah. not doing weird cousin they're just holding this. plastic swords the whole time yeah your cousin showed up uh and he had a real particular idea of how he was going to spend his summer and <laughs> yep. you just happened to be the guy nearby <laughs> he was like this but, summer i'm gonna go out into the woods and i'm gonna talk like this a whole bunch and then and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna it's gonna be great and then you just happened to be the poor schmuck that was around for it like as far as I that can tell, that is the cousin no... experience. Yeah, though. yeah, it that is. is the perfect experience <laughs> yeah. of hanging out with your cousin. But you, you know, I think then you know maybe maybe it's those like hushed tones that are fucking wit up so badly because he's still really freaked out at this point. Yeah. So oh, so yeah. Len and Jimmy they show up at wit's end, and then Donna shows up and she's like, "My doll disappeared. Right. Where's my doll?" And Jimmy's like. I was already vindicated. It was already proven that the cat scratched your doll. So get fucked, Donna. Right. Go home and get fucked. But Wit is and like a doll, a missing doll. What's going on here? Something <laughs> is weird. I must insert and then he myself. Otherwise, like, does not participate in this. He just sort of stands off to the side of this this entire argument. And then, that takes and then Len, after after this whole back and forth, Len says one of the most accurate things that anybody has ever said in this show, which is basically saying like. This wit guy is incredibly creepy. Yep. <laughs> I, I didn't say I didn't like him. I just said he's creepy. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly. He's, yeah. he's a fairly likable guy yeah. who is nonetheless very creepy. Yeah. We call them yeah. the we call them the interferers, I think, <laughs> is what yes. Len says. I'm like, yeah, no, that's uh, him. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I also love this conversation because Jimmy's like, man, fuck Donna. But also truly and, fuck uh, Donna. And, and Len, is, Len is also, I want to be like, Len is having sex with the doll. Um, he's putting the doll on around and partly inside his dick and uh, (laughs) unfortunate. Yeah. It's got a pointy nose anyway. So, um, Len then says his best line, which is, I think actually very accurate to this type of guy. Girls. You can't live with him, and you can't live with him. Len is a man going his own way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I immediately knew that that guy who is like, yeah, like fifteen or whatever, and was just coming out with shit like that. And I'm like, have you spoken to a woman in your life? Like, what is this <laughs> other than like, you know, sort of like you know, regurgitating misogyny you heard from your dad or right, saw right, on right, TV? Right, yeah. Like the the whole the whole premise of the of those kinds of like shitty misogyny uh, uh, lines is oh I have I am world weary 
of of <laughs> I'm of women. Me, I'm women me, the, me the fifteen year old. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, like and, I have uh, I've been through so much already. Uh, it's like that kind of like yeah, you're down at the bar, right? Being like ah, oh, you're you're back in here, are you, Steve? And you're like ah, yeah, women. Blah, blah. I it's mean, like, he, well, he's role playing, right? That's what he's doing in this moment. He's role playing. Yeah, and I think it's like just for a long, long time in American culture, the funniest thing in the world was like hating your spouse. Mm-hmm for some reason. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I think that, you know, that's part of just general misogyny. But yeah, that, 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 that guy, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, I'm just flashing back to that kid right. I knew in yeah. high school who would just come out with stuff like this. And we just look at him like, well, I think I think that's that's the thing that's interesting to me about Len is that he's actually I mean, setting aside the conceit of this episode, which is very weird and doesn't very make sense. Weird. Yeah. The character yeah. of Len himself is a very believable guy. Right. Yes, yeah. yes exactly. Yeah. 100%. And when you like Paul McCusker in 1990 are operating under the assumption that all of these things in these books are true, like that monologue at the end of the Dracula play, right? Such things are real. Uh, which is the entire point of this episode, then you can write a fully realized, th- uh, not three-dimensional, but you can you can write a, a fully realistic type of guy into this completely outlandish, right. absurd, right. idiotic story. Wh- which posits that Wizards of the Coast is run by a demon. Yes. Uh, who is, or several. Yeah. Yeah. Or several yeah, demons. Yeah, yeah. At they least they have one. a board of directors. So, <laughs> um, I mean, there's a Carmen song where Satan specifically talks about how Dungeons and Dragons is part of their general really yeah their general operation. I believe it's that, in that's the one where he the goes land. to visit. He goes to visit the witch. Oh uh, well, at that's his house. Witch's invitation. Or, no, witch's invitation oh, fucking okay. slaps. Yeah, that uh, which also a, does he mention has a Dungeons Ouija board and Dungeons and Dragons uh, games on his table. Yes, he's For, a he's a witch, and he basically brings Carmen in to be like, so fuck you. Right, uh, I and, can, and uh, Carmen Carmen this. defeats him with facts and logic. Right. He yeah, goes like Aaron Sorkin protagonist on him to his house to go. Hey, come and fight me with uh, with spirits, Carmen. And then uh, he goes there and he basically boasts about how he like curses people with AIDS and plays right. Dungeons and Dragons and shit. Christ. I will uh, say that I, I genuinely believed you were all talking about Carmen San Diego for the yeah, first is, two no, and a half a, hours of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> his name is spelled uh, Carman. And he yeah, died he, he, in uh, February. He passed away Carman. recently. Yeah, he has gone to be with the Lord in in New Jersey. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was just like on tour too. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he was on COVID? tour to pay for his. Uh, he had uh, cancer. Yeah, yeah, he had, he had oh, cancer okay. real bad. He had, yeah, went back on tour to pay for cancer treatment, oh, and then God. died in February. It's a bummer. Which is which is sad. Kind of basically promoted some of the worst shit on earth for decades. Yeah. But you know. Still sucks. Yeah. Well, I, I so that that scene with with um, with Lennon his misogyny yeah. ends with an absolutely hilarious music cue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you play, play that? You have that? Yep. <laughs> it's just gonna get louder and higher. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I have an idea. To be fair, then, I don't know. We have to make it scary. To be fair, just, effective. Like yeah. very effective. You, you don't, it, you don't went, see it coming. Um, <laughs> all the song cue, all the music cues in the show are just so fucking like either optimistic or like oh, this is like a sentimental, yeah. cozy moment we're having, or maybe a little sad. Yeah. Or something that sound but, just blasts yeah. me back to like I had a, a, a Yamaha keyboard growing up as oh, a yeah. kid yeah. in playing around with the little coral voice yeah. patch on the anyway um and so so wit is labeled an interferer right. 
a suppressive person. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so Len says the way to deal with that is with shaman because shaman. we've done it yes. before. There was a woman shaman. Shaman. turned into an interferer, and the warriors of Moorhaven had to drive her off. How did they do that? How else? By magic. Ha! What did you do? Turn her into a frog? Don't be stupid. There yeah, are more bitch. important ways to use magic. Shaman will show us. Shaman? What's a shaman? He's the one who comes to help the game players. Right. He helps keep castles and cauldrons alive. So, yeah, castles and cauldrons is run by a literal demon under the earth. Right, right. Like a guy living in a pit, a, yeah. a red-robed, faceless being that works directly under the devil. Yeah, yeah. according to the mythology uh, of, like, the kind of Christianity of this point, of this type, like, Shaman's an actual, an actual dude. He's an entity, yeah. He's, yeah. a, he's an actual yeah. in, in much the same way to go back to, to Frank Peretti briefly in those Frank Peretti books, um, all of the things that uh, influence the ACL, the stand in for the ACLU, for instance, are actual <laughs> demons perching on the backs of these lawyers being like, yeah. you need to make people have more abortions. All, all that shit is so <laughs> wow. like, yeah, it's like demons are behind everything. But a lot of it is just like anti-Semitic, like. Mm -hmm. Or, or sure. yeah, global yeah. thing is they're like ah oh, the demons that made them Jewish. It's 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 recycling all this old and uh, barely contained you know bigotry. Barely, um, yeah. Barely uh, contained you know those those cosmopolitan lawyers, right? You know, yeah. uh, kind of thing. And that's that's brought on or, by or like demons. Left Behind, where it's the UN and right. Nikolai right. Carpathia. Yep. Um, I I just find it to be so hypocritical that. Uh, they take such a hard stand against magic when the main deity of Christianity is just a magician. That's not magic, okay? That's, <laughs> that's miracles. miracles from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. He, wa that's, he, that's he walks the on water. magic from before the dawn of time. Thank you. He, he's a paladin, not a magician. Thank you. <laughs> I see. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's a cleric. He is, he is yeah, a cleric. He's a, cleric. Yeah. he's a war cleric. He can flip Jeez. tables. Yeah. yeah, he does healing magic. Mm -hmm. He's um, a white mage, not a dark but, mage. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> now Len is actually going to bring up Beelzebub, Belial, and uh, Mastema mm -hmm. from the, the hierarchies right. of hell itself, which leads us to them performing a ritual. Blood is shed. Mm -hmm. The doll plays a part in this. Yep. For mm -hmm. some reason. And things are about to get really good. And we actually hear the voice of the demon being summoned. Mm. The demon is coming out of the ground. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, come out. Just Let's go. Some shit out. Let's go. Just come up. Let's do this. And then the entire show takes Tim, a turn. He's come. I didn't need your stupid hand. No, I don't believe it. Showman. Showman. No, I won't believe it. I won't believe it. What's going on here? Mr. Whitaker. Wait. Jimmy, is everything all right? <laughs> and fucking. Jimmy is saved. The portal is closed simply by the presence of a patriarch. Yeah, Witch just shows Dude. up and closes Dude. the hellmouth single handedly. The, yeah. The ice cream guy and the nuclear family have come to seal the gates of hell once more mm. and bring order back. A as to the so world. often happens. The, as so the often ice happens. Cream guy. All you need is the ice cream guy and a dad. Yeah, I, I did find it weird that uh, in the scene right before this, when they were driving to this spot and Donna stuck her head out the window and was beheaded, like <laughs> yeah. that, that kind of felt a little out of place to me. That was a little weird. They, they pay it off like 50 episodes later though. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. cool, okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Mm. Um, <laughs> the um, That thing we were talking about with the, the patriarchal, because like Whitaker is also like, he's already in these episodes all, already been like literally someone's stand-in father 
Uh, I mean, right. yeah, most characters, they don't have a family as far as, like, what the audience right. sees. It's, oh, it's, it's really, really just the, the Barclays. Barclays. Yeah. And, well, and the Rathbones. And the Rathbones, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> but the Rathbones... are the wrong kind of family. Well, they're yeah. Jewish, that's uh, why. I'm, I'm, I'm standing the Rathbones. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, that, that is kind of the thing, like, there is a... That was one of the things that really struck me going back to this, having not listened to any Adventures in Odyssey since the goddamn 90s. Right. The, uh, <laughs> sure. Was and just, like, you know, really running on lots of memories so i'm really glad i re-upped here mm -hmm. but the yeah. um but it, it is that kind of very specific sort of like extremely reactionary right-wing bullshit yeah but done through it, it is i feel like it's this kind of thing that you would it would be hard to start doing something like this today because yeah. that you need that 80s 1950s um, like throwback americana mm -hmm. you need right. that kind of mm -hmm. you need the shit that like really bad pop country songs are about how right. it's just like oh uh, where i'm from things are still basically like this idealized version of white people 1950s and you need that where it's like everyone is a ethical small business owner yeah. Or is a hardworking Joe who is a window washer and somehow then has a three-story house, like a three-story restored Victorian on the corner <laughs> right. across the street from the grassy park where they have their uh, bicentennial uh, celebration and that right. sort of thing. Everyone knows each other. The, you know, the... Like that whole like the fucking baseball. Yeah, team, nothing everything. has ever yeah. gone wrong. This and place, uh, they ran a off. It's everything. They ran off the pagan Indians, from, yeah. and then they have built this town. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and AJ, we haven't played the episode for you when Wits End is started. Like the original house that that was built on that property begins, and it gets raided by the local, completely unnamed tribe. Um, yeah. Oh God. But like, I don't think I ever It's heard a manifest that one. destiny fantasy mm -hmm. um and and that, that's the interesting thing scott is that at this time focus on the family had the resources to make something like this that wasn't doing stuff like this usually on its face mm -hmm. in today's christian entertainment ecosphere this stuff is has to play everything immediately on its political face it has to be stuff like right. god's not dead mm -hmm. right part four sorbo's revenge and it has to be movies about how how christmas is not allowed to happen anymore mm -hmm. and none of this has any sort of uh finesse to it whatsoever but really odyssey is masking more reactionary politics than a lot of the christian movies that are coming out now but they're just so much more clever with it, except in this episode. <laughs> right. right. I, one of the things that's interesting about this, and this is kind of like a foundational myth of particularly settler colonialist shit in general, but like it's the there's this kind of like valorization of the kind of settlers that came out and, and mm -hmm. so forth. But then as soon as it was established, it might as well have been an eternal sanct like sanctuary for this one sort of thing. And so in Odyssey, right. we've always been here. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it might as well be just eternal. And most, if not all of the real problems have to come from the outside. Yeah. They have to be, mm -hmm. it is some, it is Nova Corp. It is like fucking, what's his name? It's the fucking red Blacker, scorpion terrorist group. Right. Uh, right. Cousin from out of town. It's this kid. It's like, it's all these things that like have to come in. And then, people come into town and are new and are kind of sort of tested in the sense of like, like Eugene might as well have just caught Christianity as if it was COVID or something. He was yeah, just around yeah, it too yeah, much. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Same thing yeah. with Connie. And it's like that demonstrates whether you are a good person essentially is whether you can come to this place and become a part of this sort of permanent stability. Yeah. Katrina uh, right. even uses that metaphor at one point where she says she can't keep dating Eugene because he's not a Christian. She says it's because you've been exposed to just enough Christianity 
that you have perhaps become immune to it. Right. Hmm. So that that idea of infection Fuck. is is absolutely part of right. all of this. And it's so core to all of these episodes. This this sort of like mythos of this kind of town that just has never existed on Earth. It never ever. will. Yeah. Um, yep. and right. it never it's, will. it's the last stop at Willoughby. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is very it is exactly that. It is such a and it's a and it's a kind of like ideal that I don't know that exists in that sort of way anymore because it has not existed for so long that no generation, I don't think, can remember the time that you were supposed to be throwing back to. Now. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's right. It, it, it kind of reminds me of when I was at an airport not too long ago, there was a sign that was put up by DHS that said, like, it was something to the effect of, like, remember how things were? And this is naked propaganda. This is flying during the Trump administration. There was, like, a right. little girl holding her hand over her, white girl, obviously, holding her hand over her heart, looking at the American flag. This is, like, an archival photo from the Jesus 50s Christ, or something. Fuck me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and in and, and seeing that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is like this is the dream. This is the thing they're fighting to preserve. But it's not real. It never yeah. was real. You're taking that girl did not want to be pledging allegiance. Well, and to it's that like flag. also little white girls hold their hand on their chest in front of the flag currently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is happening right, right now. It didn't go away to, to whatever degree it was there. It's still there. But they have yeah. to invent a boogeyman. They have to be the victim right. Right. in some right. way. And now the only throwback that any of them have, and it didn't really succeed, was nine twelve. Yeah, you that's know? kind of the thing. Like there is so much like, as we record this, like right before nine eleven. Sorry mm, to right. anyone who's listening to this and is like the, the breaking the illusion that this was recorded today. You're listening to it, but uh, it was that thing that now like that kind of like mythology is yeah something like nine eleven where it's like we were all came together and it's like we fucking yeah. did not. We absolutely like, did not. That was not a thing at all. Like that was part of the, you know, and you see it kind of, you know, both in political and also I think in a lot of like the pundit class who were like, that was back when we all felt really vital and connected. And it's like, yeah, that that's a, that's not a reality. That's like, a, that's a personal yeah. vibe. Yeah. Well, it, it also yeah. like fucking tell any Muslim living in Dearborn in 2001 that right. America was yeah. more united than ever. Fuck yeah. off. Even yeah. like the fucking like va- you know much vaunted first responders got super fucked over right. by the whole thing. Oh, absolutely! You know, it was like, and th- that's the thing because like th- America, probably other countries too, but America in particular, like it wants its idealized kind of like idols. It, it wants it wants characters, but it doesn't actually want any sort of humans uh, that need anything mm-hmm. out of it. Like mm-hmm. no one is right. everyone's supposed to be giving. No one is supposed to be needing anything. Well, and that's that's yeah. yeah. To bring it back to Odyssey, like. That's John Avery Whitaker, right? He needs nothing. He has yeah. the he has the prime real estate in the town. He has all the social connections. He has the backing of the United States. Maybe both the Department of Defense and the intelligence community. Maybe yeah. but not clear. Bo- bo- both. <laughs> what is going on in that basement? He, he is stuck into some shit. There's a magical mineral down. Anyway, whatever. Right. We'll get into yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. AJ hasn't gotten to the mineral thing oh, yet. Yeah, yeah. Bio it's it's and... wild. Later on. Or, or yeah. the body that's found it's in, got, the, in the basement. I think there's a we have to go back to there. there. Like, I just think it's yeah. House of Leaves, and underneath yeah. is just, like, an endless maze. Which end might as well be yeah. a House of Leaves type scenario for how much shit is in that place and how much they just keep adding on to it. Yes. Imagination Station eventually seats, like, 20 people or something. They built an expansion for it, like, five years ago or something. Anyway, yeah. the, the, I guess, you know, we really are. We've been rolling for quite a while now. Yeah. And, Scott, yeah, thank yeah. you so much for all of your time. Yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful. Oh, yes. no, no problem. This was, this was great. Like I said, I, I never get to talk about any of this stuff ever. So it's like 
this is just cursed knowledge I carry around. And I think me. that's kind of, <laughs> right. and it's last... good to expel it every once it in a is. while. Yeah. And, and this is kind yeah. of the last thing. And feel free to take this briefly or or go on a little bit. I started recording this stuff with Brian and AJ, these Wits Endless Summer episodes, starting a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of memories of Adventures in Odyssey. I then did not listen to it for approximately 15 to 20 years. And then I picked it back up again. Listening to it again now, all of a sudden, without the rose-tinted nostalgia glasses, I'm seeing a very different show from the show that I grew up listening to on road trips, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? What's coming to the fore with you? Well, aside from some of, I guess, the stuff um, I was saying before about just kind of the small town, like, reactionary, the kind of, like, soft focus, this is the reaction of... We are in a safe place that is no longer safe mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Uh, this kind of obsession with this safety and this sort of internal goodness of the people mm-hmm. that is kind of given to them by God, but also just slash enacted by them. I, I was I was I was actually surprised at how charming I found some of it. Mm. Like it is mm-hmm. it comes down to the just the actual the cast is just very good mm-hmm. like it's yeah. just a very good cast and it's for what it is very well written for christian media of this sort yeah. it's stellar yeah. for that for that market um <laughs> it made me remember a lot of other episodes that actually i remember being meaningful to me like the karen uh-huh. episode i just remember crying yeah about that when i was a kid is it's a genuinely heartbreaking episode uh and like a few other things the one where like eugene and they go on like a fucking like mission with like archaeology looking for like some sort of thing in like it, with the Aztecs and there's all these different things that it, it reminded me of the time when I was when I was listening to it and this honestly did seem like oh this actually does seem sort of like adventurous and this town seems really cool and it's not like my mm-hmm. town which is the reality of a town like that mm-hmm. yeah um, I, I think it was also just making me think of that particular moment of conservatism that still exists a little bit, but like in the post-Trump era, like James Dobson left Focus on the Family last year or two years ago mm-hmm. to start something, quote, that could be more openly political, right. which is hilarious. Right. Um, and he came out and was like a big Trump supporter. And it is, yeah. it is just it, it really does kind of lay this whole thing bare of the like the the endless talk about family, 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 which was just the watchword. Like that was the buzzword of that time. Yeah. And it's like. Right. Family. Family means this family. And it was this obsession with family just as a topic, as a stand in for a kind of reactionary capitalist uh, hegemony and this ideal, this completely fake ideal to sell it to people mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. forever. It's this, this is the history that you have lost that has been taken from you. And right. You need to go take it back by doing all this actual violence uh, to people. Uh, or supporting it. And I do wonder if kids raised in this now get that same pitch in the sense of like, this is how you get safety. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually safety was not very long ago. And in fact, it's there, but it's slipping away due to Antifa, MS-13, Sharia law, uh, right. Right. Well, MS thirteen, yeah, and, 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 and obviously, and obviously, the tremendous irony of the fact that, in terms of safety, actual crime has been on a precipitous decline over the course of the past couple decades. Right. So, like, how and do you scare it, it reminded me a little bit of also like, as, since like nineteen ninety, really. Yeah, yeah, it's been going on for a while, and so the um, it, it just kind of reminded me of getting kind of like safety pilled, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. That sort of paranoia that you have something precious that was once there and seemed to be everlasting, and now it's being taken away from you, you know, by like, you know, 
they're te- what, what are they teaching the kids in the school? They're teaching that like our founding was actually bad. And like, that's the shit that when I was in like a kid in the nineties, like all this like kind of like critical race theory style, I'm like, this is literally exactly what I was taught. It was just under different, it was relativism right. or yeah. secularism or right. before that it was communism and feminism before that it was something else. And like, postmodernism, et cetera. Now it's critical race theory. They just, they reskin this every yeah. half decade or so. And so I think it was just that kind of like reminder of this, this particular flavor of cultural conservatism yeah. and just relentless capitalist uh, ideology yeah. sold as this sort of rock that everyone can and should stand on, but is being eroded by everyone's proverbial cousin coming with uh, actual fucking demons in tow <laughs> and possessing your cat or, or, or stealing your daughter away uh, with their baseball playing wiles. Well, and, I and just kind of remembering all the other places that show goes like the fact that it does like the NSA. Are like straight. Up I, I love that, too, because I thought as a kid, I didn't know what the NSA was because the CIA Nobody gets all the press. The so I thought, they, I thought they that do, they like, had made shit, up right? an agency for the show that was fictional. They're like, no, 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 no. This is this is the NSA, which is based right. and cool. I, I don't know that the, the show is ever critical of, no. of it at all. It's 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 mm-hmm. a, it's a kind of the show is never critical of the United States government in any point where now Witt's grandson Monty Whitaker Dowd is a member of the Secret Service and probably also the NSA right and and so it's the thing where like in the same way that like you have people like Witt who are these kind of soldiers of God uh, who Mm -hmm. are there to both give you tell you who who to date and not to date for your own good but in a nice way in kind of like an old comfortable baseball glove if could talk way uh (laughs) The um, but also there to protect you from the evils of the world and also is a a self-made entrepreneur. And it's this very particular kind of Protestant, for the most part, Christian capitalist uh, viewpoint. And and it's yeah, yeah, it's not just the belief that like some somebody like that, um, like society just simply has to allow for the capitalist to become benevolent. It's that the only person that could ever actually be benevolent enough, be a good enough person would have to be this business. Of course. Well, because, because they're the, they're the the Randian prime movers, right? They're the ones who make it happen. Right. They're the fucking like Thomas Jefferson farmers. They're the, I'm self-sufficient given, given, given the even playing field, I will become self-sufficient basically. Yeah. Uh, And I will create a wit's end that literally has a Mac, a micro universe that will take (laughs) you back to see any Bible story you want slash any part of our history that Christians kind of see as a Bible story, <laughs> such as the American Revolution or the Gettysburg Address or something like that. Like, <sighs> it is. I will is build so, a wit's end so tall that it will touch heaven and I yeah, will meet God. God will, God will <laughs> notice us again. Well, but, uh, uh, yeah. Scott, was there anything that you wanted to uh, pitch or just talk about before we wrap up here? Um,. Uh, let's talk about Satan. Do you want to announce now. the new game right here? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Circulation I'm actually under NDA, so I'm not allowed to say anything. Uh, I can I can confirm that it does uh, use um, uh, buttons. Oh shit! Okay. Oh, wonderful. Uh, that's actually that, a, oh, wow. that's, that's the worst of all possible worlds exclusive. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> the game will include buttons. It will be played on video devices. Oh my that play god! Video, mm, such okay. as an imagination station. <laughs> so this is, this is my, my, that's the announcement. The game is confirmed. 
LARP <laughs> Imagination Station console exclusive. It, it, this it this it will, will not be a LARP in the forest. Yeah, it will take you straight to hell or heaven, depending <laughs> on your particular uh, on where you are at with the Lord at that moment. Let's you will go. either see your dead wife or you will go right to hell. <laughs> awesome. Spoilers. Anyway. Well, Scott, thank you so much for uh yeah. for coming on. It's been okay. great. We really appreciate you and had a lot of fun. Until next time, I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And I am the worst of all possible Brian's. And, and I'm Scott. Go on and uh, have sex with your sister's doll. <laughs> but right in the pee hole. Just right. Oh, no, no. <laughs> stick it yeah, right in there. Stick it, sound, like, put it in <laughs> your urethra. Okay. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Well, there you have it, folks. Don't play tabletop RPGs or LARPs or uh, exercise at all. Don't do board games of any kind. Monopoly, Candyland, throw it out. Satan, Satan, Satan. Exercise, Satan. Play video games instead, like, oh, I don't know, say, Night in the Woods. Uh, Scott doesn't need me to tell you this, and you probably don't need me to tell you this, but it is a very good game, and you should play it if you haven't. Anyway, thanks again to Scott Benson for joining us for this episode, and thanks to Brendan Dalton for providing us with our music, and thank you to our patrons at Patreon, without whom this wouldn't be possible. And they include Aeneas Hemphill, Ari Rodriguez, Ben Ferber, Benjamin R. Alford, Bill Corby, Davis Van de Steek, Dominic Russo, Nate Netsley, Nell Johnson, Octavia Immersive, Olivia Hernandez, Trevor Strunk, with a special thank you to Ashley Stoneman, Hannah White, Nikola Donov, Sam Borman, and Timmy Sexton. All right, folks, keep your soul safe. You need to cut right from that to like, Chris giving the the wrap up like moral <laughs> of the story. Uh, you know, the book of Deuteronomy says <laughs> that putting things in your urethra is the only way that you can get truly close to God.